The Incomparable Number 165 October 2013 Welcome back to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about video games. I have assigned the members, my esteemed panel panelists, um, two games to play. It's a tough job, this podcasting business, playing games that were assigned to you. And we're, so we're going to talk about those two games, and who knows where it'll lead. I don't play video games. I don't know what I'm talking about here, but these guys do. <laughs> and first up, that uh, laughter you heard there, that's Steve Lutz. Steve Lutz has been known to play a video game or two in his time. Hi, Steve. I do play from time to time, yes, Jason, and uh, a good evening to you. Good evening. Dan Morin is also here, known to play video games in his sleep, even. He loves them so much. That's a lie. I No, that's probably true. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Hi, Jason. <laughs> I, I forgot I forgot my niceties. <laughs> I'm too busy playing a video game to talk to you. That's a lie is your new hello. Very nice. Video gamers not well known for their capability. <laughs> social skills. No. I will murder you no. with a stick. Tony Sindelar is also here. He has excellent social skills and is a very polite fellow. <laughs> Hi, Tony. Hi, Jason. I play too many video games, but I'm here yeah. to talk about them instead well, of the truth. Them. I'll take a break. Is this an intervention? <laughs> it may be. Hi, and Tony. we're all here gathered to intervene in the life of our the man whose life has been crippled by his video game addiction, John Syracuse. Hi, John. Actually, I'm in the Dan Morin role in that I just finished the last game last Ooh. night. No, no, well, actually, Dan, Dan Morin role, I'd be playing it. Yeah, you would be finishing it right now. <laughs> yeah. I will confess, I finished one of them today. Uh, I right, finished well, so, one of them today too. Man, I finished right, so, on like Thursday, so guys. What, what the hell you been at? I was on the West Coast. Life is different there. Whatever. You know. Well, at least we all finished it, unlike uh, some other po- episodes of The Incomparable in which participants didn't That's perhaps right. finish the entire. Here's our review of the first 80%. That's just wrong. Yeah. I mean, that's actually how a lot of game reviewers do it. They play, I played 10 hours. Here's what my thoughts are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so some guy in the chat room that we're not streaming to said he played the first 20 minutes, and that's I, that's enough for him to understand. Yeah, I don't know. This game, game took yeah, That game took some radical turns. It's a two-hour game, and you can't finish it? Come on. Yeah, that's sad. Come on, people. That guy only likes the first eight minutes of Star Wars. <laughs> Those are the best minutes. <laughs> so I'm not looking at a Star Destroyer. What's the point? Yeah. It's all downhill after that, really. All right. So to, talking about two games, uh, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, which uh, these are both games that came out this year. Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons and Gone Home are these two games. And... Uh, I I played what I played uh, Gone Home a little while ago, and then I finished Brothers today. Um, and we should talk about them both. I don't, I'm not sure if there's a link between them, other than these are both sort of like critical darlings. I think in some ways, I've heard people talk about them on release and praise them highly. And uh, when I said that I had finished playing Gone Home, everybody immediately said you should play Brothers. And I do what I'm told on the internet, so I I, I played Brothers too. Well, they're both short games, which is interesting. Like this is a yes. this is kind of a new genre that I kind of dig, which is like games that you can play in one or two sittings, games as for opposed old to like GTA or something, you know, Grand Theft Auto or something that's like huge and sprawling and epic. That's like you know when they measure it, they're like, this game will take you thirty hours to complete. And I kind of kind of dig that. Yeah. On the other hand, I would argue that these are almost both not games, in that uh, there's not a whole lot of actual gameplay in them. What well, are they then? What are games, games then, Steve? I don't know. There's a line somewhere. <laughs> Ludologists define yeah, games as something game? what is really game? boring. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd just like to thank Dan Morin for going back and 
explaining what GTA stood for. <laughs> yeah, thanks, okay, thanks Grandpa. I, I'm just well, trying to say, I don't know who our audience thanks, is. Well, well right? he, he just said uh, oh, that an epic game is 30 hours long, so he's already losing cred fast. I'm, I'm at double digits. <laughs> There's a lot of hate already here. I'll agree with you, just as with Journey, which I, one of the motivating factors that I had for playing it, of course, was that John loves Journey, but one of the things he said about it, he especially loves, uh, by the way, their... Uh, their seminal album raised on radio. Anyway, the <laughs> John loves Journey, but he said it only takes like three hours to play it. It's like watching a movie. Two, it does, two hours, two a hours. feature-length well, movie, and that's how I yeah. classify the genre. I like did not people, play either of these in two hours. You no, didn't it, took, it, in two hours? it took us like two and a half hours to play Journey. But the point, the point is that for somebody like me who ha- who has bought lots of video games over the years and has never finished any of them. I loved the idea that I could play through this whole story and 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 get to the end. And if I wanted to keep playing and find all the little gems and get all the little trophies, I could do that. But I didn't have to. And those these two games felt that way too. Obviously, they're small and self contained. And I and I didn't get that feeling of frustration like, you know, I'm never gonna play through this whole story because I'm not gonna invest forty hours in a game because I just I'm just not. It's not ever gonna happen in my life. I did appreciate the fact that neither of these games had collectibles, which is something that is increasingly driving me nuts with games. Mm-hmm. I've got way too much of an OCD touch yeah. to, to avoid actually trying to get everything, although I never succeed, and that just makes me feel sad. It's just a way for them to pad out the game so they can have those huge hour counts. In right, and, and they only did that because they, they felt like they, they, they would get slammed by consumers if they didn't. Like They felt pressure to game people. It's like, oh, we're going to put out a game, and we have a story to tell, and that story takes about two hours to play, but that's not long enough for It's not viable as a product to sell a game like that so we have to add stuff of like stupid collectibles and barriers and then so finally in the past few years like you know what if we don't add that people actually like the game even better and so that's what this new market of you know two hour long games it's not just the saleable part of like you know at all it's the like we you know a a title costs 60 bucks right or something like that you know 50 60 bucks i mean people will feel like hey i I can get a movie you know i can watch a movie for like ten dollars that takes up two hours if i'm going to play a game that costs $60 $60 better take me longer than two hours, right? Like, you, there's a value equivalency. I don't want to tell you how much I would have paid to play Journey, but like, at a certain point, <laughs> for, everything you with, own, your children would the, be on the stoop. <laughs> especially with the average age of gamers now, like up in the 30s or whatever it is, uh, at a certain point, it becomes more valuable to you to get something that you can complete in the amount of time that you would spend on a movie. Like, that, that you would pay more for yeah. that than you would. You know, I still play games like Zelda where, you know, me and my son end up putting in like 85 hours into a Zelda game. But, but I know what i'm getting there and then i'm arguably getting more of my money at my 60 dollars worth out of that than i get 15 dollars into this but i will gladly pay 15 dollars for a great two-hour game any day yeah all right let's get started let's talk about gone home which is from the fulbright company came out in this summer i want to say and it runs it's on it's available on steam it runs on windows mac and linux i played it on my macbook air um on a foggy uh cold uh summer day because that's san francisco um and this is a this is a first person game that uh it really sets you up to be uh that it's going to be kind of a horror story because it starts off as a dark and stormy night and you are um you are a, a a young woman named caitlin who returns home although her family has since she's been in europe um 
studying abroad, she's uh, they move to a new house, and it's a big house, and it's a dark and stormy night, and the implication is that there uh, might be something scary going on in there because you're playing a video game, and of course that would be what you'd expect. Uh, but regardless of the of the story, what what you find out when Caitlin arrives at the front door is that there is nobody in the house and the rest of gone, gone home is essentially Caitlin investigating this house that she's never been in, which is good because we've never been in it either and trying to figure out what's going on and what everybody's been doing and why there's nobody there. Does that sound about right? More or less. Yeah. It's charmingly set in the 1995. So there's, there's lots of like <laughs> yeah. written notes and, and, and answering machine messages and things like that. People don't have, you know, you're not looking at people's text messages or emails, but right. If you had a smartphone, you would have just called like your yeah. family, right? <laughs> this game is this game doesn't work if you had a smartphone. So, so how many people knew uh, anything about this game going in? Uh, Jason said, uh, right, it, you you said you thought it would be like a haunted house, but did you really did you know anything about it? I knew that it took place in a house. Yeah, I avoided most stuff. I knew somebody said that it was affecting and that it was not like most games, but I knew no details other than that it was set in this house. That was. That was it. Yeah, I really expected in some ways something that, as we'll get into, was not in this game. <laughs> well, the spoiler horn should go off here because you're, we you're right. It is time. Let's let's yes, let's fire off for for uh, Gone Home. We're firing off the spoiler horn, and please come back if if you want to listen to uh, to us talk about brothers. But for the next interval, here it comes. I hear it coming. <laughs> No, I kept waiting. You know, you're creeping around corners and I turned on, you can turn on the lights as you go. And normally in my life, you know, I turn a light on and I turn a light off and I kind of move through oh, the house. God, but in, no, in yeah. this game, <laughs> don't every light off. any yeah. light off. It's what, like, I, mean, I mean, that's one of the most successful things about it for my mind. It's like, I remember coming home to a, like a house late at night when I was like a teenager and, you know, my parents were out of town or something. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to turn on every light in this house. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to uh, leave it the on. The best thing in the game, the best joke in the whole game is where you come upon the cork board with the note to the other daughter. And the dad is saying, stop turn leaving the all the lights off. on in the, the house. Off. You're as yeah. bad as your sister. <laughs> and you are, of course, that sister. Yeah. You've been spending the last 20 minutes turning on all the lights in the house. Every single light switch in well, that house. The closet, the bathroom. All the red herring stuff, like the X-File tapes in yep. the you know living room and all this stuff right. that like... It starts leading you down these paths of thinking it's going to be, oh, it's going to be this kind of story. And yeah, there are so many is. applicable tropes that they didn't do. I mean, Jason mentioned Haunted House, but the other ones that I had in my mind from playing other video games with a yeah. similar like, premise was, you know, Unreliable Narrator, uh, the, the Suicide Factor, Psycho Killer, any number of the family members is Psycho Killer, Body Snatchers, Aliens. Like, there are so many possible directions this could go that you've played games exactly like this that went in those directions. And the great thing about this game is, one, that it doesn't go in those directions, but two, that it has the playfulness to make feints in almost all of those directions mm -hmm. at various points. So until it settles in, until you're totally convinced, you could be like, all right, but they're just trying to fake me out. you know. And they do a couple of fake outs. Like, I mean, I guess. Yeah, there's the should... creepy neighbor, the psycho house. I, I got to admit that none of that, uh, none of the sort of creepy stuff really worked for me, unfortunately, because I would have loved it if it had. But I, I don't know, maybe I've just played far too many of those kinds of games, but it never really felt like it was committing in that direction for me. Well, it didn't. It's not supposed to be. There's nothing, nothing jumps out and scares you in this game. Like, there's no zombie behind a door. There's no, you know, scare moment. A cat does not race across the floor. Like, it's, <laughs> it doesn't do that. The only no, the, thing the it closest, does... The closest thing to scare factor is when you're when you're in the first secret passage and the light flickers out for a second, and that's that's a good moment. But other than that, I, it, I never felt like it was going to take a, a turn anywhere other than where it did. Well, see, I hmm. disagree completely. 
completely because I my experience was very different. I played the first half of this on a plane, and let me tell you, like if you want the full like force feedback experience, when you're like creeping down a like a hallway and turning the lights on, and you go into a dark room, and then your entire plane like does like a turbulence dip, you're <laughs> like, okay, I gotta stop playing this game. It's freaking me out, man. Yeah, no, I, I did I did play this game in total darkness because I knew it was gonna be one of those types of games. So I turned off all the lights and everything, but and like I'm I'm affected by creepiness and mood and everything, but mostly what got me in this game was things where they would at a certain point I, I had realized it's not going to go in all these different directions right. and it's going to yeah, be straightforward sure. but then they do things like the like the red hair dye in the bathtub yeah, oh to give, God, to give you faints well in that done. direction or even the things like you know the attic with the red lights in the attic even at that point I know it's not going to be that kind of story but I'm yeah. still a little bit weird and, and the most uh, or the, the, the flickering lights from the TV room when you first yeah see yeah and it, you know and the thing the thing that got me is that, where it came home the most was at a certain point you, you open up one of the secret passages and it, uh, you get no you I think you go down to the basement or something yeah and the basement is really dark and yep. there were candles in the game and any game with candles is like a, a, you know I stopped I went back I got a candle I went to get a match to light the candle but there are no matches in the matchbook and I'm like what am I doing? And you can't use anything on anything else anyway, so it was a bit of a fool's I, I stopped making progress in the game, basically, because I didn't want to go down into the dark basement. But, you know, wow. and one part of it is like being a gamer. It's like, look, they have candles. There's got to be I don't know matches, whether to be impressed you know? with the game or just sad for you. Well, you know, because like the part of the gamer's thing is I'm, I kept looking for, you know, use X on Y, like text adventure type, type stuff like that. And it was you know, kind of a little bit, but they... None of it was important to the gameplay, and I figured these candles are here. Like that was the curse of this game. If you're a gamer, so many yeah. things were interactive that didn't need to be. I think that is a pretty fair critique. There, there's all. It's it's really again. It's is it a game? It's it's more of this kind of mildly interactive experience. There's all those things that look like maybe it should be a puzzle, um, but they're not right. And even all the kind of the secrets that you find, the secret passageways and the panels and things like that, you can actually find those and open those before the game tells you to, which in a lot of other games you wouldn't, right? Like the panel right. wouldn't be movable until you found the note that right. says it. I mean, theoretically, I looked at it afterwards. You could beat this game in three minutes if you clicked on the right stuff. You'd have no idea what's going on, but but you could kind of jump yeah. around without being directed where stuff is. I did a little bit of it out of order, too. I actually realized toward the end that there was one portion that I had to go. There was a little corner of the downstairs that I hadn't covered. And mm-hmm. so there was something that didn't make any sense. And I realized I needed to go in. I had to go back downstairs and over the laundry room. And then there was a whole little thread over there that opened up a few things. And then I could finally go and resolve the rest of the game because I just happened mm-hmm. to do it out of order. And that was fine. Yeah, sure. Well, Steve must have done like the completionist. He's talking about the collectibles and stuff like I'm totally. I, I did it the gamer's route too. I did like 100% completion, exhaustive search of every nook and cranny, and I feel like I did the game in exactly the order that the, that the game makers intended you to do because it's the order that a gamer would do. Like, go in, you know, maybe I took a left instead of a right first or whatever, but I swept this game from beginning to end, and I don't think I missed like a single thing. And it makes for a very coherent story like a reasonably <laughs> good short story but you can I, if if this i didn't even realize the panels would be openable uh mm-hmm. but yeah you could totally break the story by just racing up in the wrong place if they allow everything sure. to be open and i think you know you can even ex- you can experience stuff in kind of a strange order i mean the answering machine right in the front hall has the voicemail from lonnie on it and you don't know who, who right. that is yet yeah right? that's I, th- I assume that was intended i don't know i mean i think it, it's it's i think it's intended to work either way yeah that was one of the first things i hit was the the answering machine. Yeah, they know everyone's going to go right to that, I think. There is an argument about whether or not, is, is there an order? I, mean, I don't there think are there some is. That, yeah, I, I kind of You're not forced on rails. I, I don't no, think there's that, a cl- there's a clear order. If yeah, you look in the, the journals, they're, they're organized by date. But, but you don't experience them necessarily. 
are they specifically tied to locations or are they do they crop some up in are, the order? Some are not. No, they are they are tied to locations. I can say this definitely because I and, had to and, and inventory items as well. But you don't have to pick up all of them. I had to restart after about an hour and a half of playtime because it ate my save game for some reason. And actually, initially, usually I appreciate the fact that you have more options open to you. You can try things in a different way. And uh, the first time I played, I actually went up the stairs first because there were lights on up there. And I thought, well, if I was walking in and I was looking for people who are home, where am I going to go? I'm going to go where the lights are clearly on. So I headed up the stairs and I kind of did things a little out of order. And it was it was still pretty clear what the, the narrative was that was forming there. Sure. But when I restarted it, I, I, I realized, you know, it's very clear that they want this to be done in a certain order for it to make the right kind of sense, you know, for you to really appreciate the story properly. Yeah. And I actually found it kind of annoying that I was allowed to take the, the alternate route because I wanted, I, this game is so clearly about telling a story and I wanted to be told the story the way it was supposed to be told as opposed to getting it piecemeal. It's the locked doors and lack of information that's trying to put you along the linear path. And so I, right, I don't fault sure. them for making the panels move, but the locked doors are really like, look, we can, we're allowed to allow a little bit of exploration here, but we don't want people to totally break the game. And if you don't know about the panels, the odds of you going Finding through and trying to click low. every single panel. I mean, I was, being, I was being completionist, but I was doing it mostly with items that I thought would be interactive. And I was getting frustrated because like every single soda can and potato chip bag is interactive. And <laughs> every single <laughs> Band-Aid box, I looked on every side of it. Like at a certain point, you realize this isn't Resident Evil. I don't need to turn every item over to make sure there's not a little uh, uh, cubby on the bottom that mm-hmm. opens up that reveals a key, you know. Uh, it, but once I broke myself of those habits... I still found myself picking up items that I knew probably wouldn't be worth, you know. Right. It's just it's it's a hard habit to break, but just throwing uh, cans all over it, that it, house. It's it's kind yeah. of like it's kind of like in Journey where if you play the game over and over again, which I have, you see the parts where you can break out of it, but my first run through of Journey, I felt like I was exactly like me and the game designers were exactly, you know, in sync and everything was happening at the right time. And Gone Home did that a few times because I think I followed the, the linear path and also the journals which are either location or item based triggered. Sometimes, like, they'd be fighting because I had, like, a tape that I was playing, and then, like, the journal would play with its yeah. music, and they would fight with each other, and that wasn't good. Yeah. But, like, and, oh, one or God, two times, music. yeah, one or two times, though, <laughs> the uh, the journal started playing at just the right moment and made a very cinematic experience. Like, mm-hmm. I think it was one of the last journal things was playing as I was racing up to the attic for, like, the, yeah. the, the final end thing. Like, the, right. the, sometimes it really worked. And when it really worked, mm-hmm. it was great. And it's difficult to pull that off. It's like, uh, you know, it's like my favorite, uh, what do you call it, Fincher movie, The Game. Where when everything comes together and the guy lands right on the X in the airbag with the revelation happening, it's like it's really difficult to do that in real life. And so that's what these game makers are trying to do, is trying to give you a game where they arrange it all for you to have some sort of experience or revelation, but also make you feel like you are free acting individual the sure. entire time. That, I think that's the interesting thing about it. You have freedom. You know, you you unlock one of the journals and you start hearing your sister talk to you. And it's do you stand there and, and listen the whole time? Do you keep continue searching the room? Do you walk down the spooky hor- uh, corridor while while she continues to talk to you about something? And you know, it's it's not like you're on rails. This is what you're going to experience, right? I I couldn't stand the thought that I was going to miss it, so I had to stand there and listen to the whole thing. And I, I'm going to go back. I mean. I finished the story. I went back and saw because there's kind of three locked areas that you can get into, one that you have to to advance the story. And I figured out how to get into the other two, which you don't have to and could, I guess, presumably you could open the safe in the basement or the locked file cabinet in the office. Um, without, you can complete the story without doing that, but you miss out on kind of bits of it. But, you know, I checked. I didn't find all of the journals and I, and I finished the story. So, you know, I've got the first and I've got the end and there's a lot of stuff in the middle that you have to find to progress. But there's clearly other stuff that you don't have to find to progress. All right. A brief cutscene inserted in our gaming podcast to talk about 
HostGator, our first sponsor. HostGator.com. You've heard about it before. They've been a sponsor on The Incomparable before. They are a premier web hosting and domain name provider. If you're looking to start a website, HostGator can help you get started with monthly hosting plans. There are one-click installs and tons of other features that make getting your site up and running easy. Now, if you're a more advanced user or a business, HostGator can take care of you with reseller plans. They've got VPS and dedicated servers. HostGator guarantees 99.9% uptime. That's a lot of nines. And no matter your size or needs. If you're a WordPress user, you're going to love the one-click install for WordPress and the optimized hosting platform. And when you host with HostGator, you get unlimited disk space and bandwidth. That's huge. They have free site builder tools that are super easy to use. And if you find yourself needing any help, they have 24-7 support to ensure that everything stays running smoothly. So here's what you do. Head on over to HostGator.com. That's H-O-S-T-G-A-T-O-R, like alligator, to learn more. HostGator.com. And when you decide to buy, don't forget to use this very special coupon code Snell sent me 10. That's right. S-N-E-L-L sent me 10. S-N-E-L-L-S-E-N-T-M-E-1-0. And what will that magic code give you? 30% off. 30% off what? Everything. 30% off everything when you do the code Snell sent me 10. And thank you to HostGator.com for sponsoring The Incomparable. Well, let's talk about the actual story, though, because like the story of this is... Kind of, it's not lost esque. It's just the thing I always think of when, like, every character in the story has a thing mm -hmm. about yes. them, right? right. And sure. like, what? And you know, obviously, the central thing is the sisters' deal, and you're trying to figure out what is the sisters' deal. But every member of this family has a problem, mm -hmm. and I don't know. Like, I guess that's is it realistic? I don't know. I felt like if they had concentrated more on on the the sisters' story and distracted me less with items throughout the house and let me learn what every other person's problem is. And, and the other thing is I didn't learn what my problem is as the, you know, I, apparently I'm happy off in Europe you're a and blank I have no slate. problems. Yes. Right, no, exactly. you are, you're kind of a boring person, actually. Com compared to everyone else, so the mothers who's going with the forestry guy and the father who's, who's like, you know, uh, unintentionally ripping off Stephen King a decade earlier yeah. with his 1963 yes. book. And he's got the, I was think, picturing the father like cigarette smoking man, sending his science fiction stories in and trying to get them, you know, and doing stereotypes reviews and going crazy and the crazy uncle like everyone's got some backstory that itself would make a game yeah uh, but your backstory is you're you're apparently the perfect daughter you no, know i imagine caitlin <laughs> has all sorts of stories to tell about europe but unfortunately she's got to deal with her messed up family first or i mean yeah. maybe her story is about running away from all that right yeah maybe so I don't know. All I kept finding was was trophies and first place ribbons, and I kept thinking, man. Well, no, that's it's, true. She's the perfect daughter. I, yeah. I must have really made it rough on the younger sister. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, someone has a three-ring binder fetish. because That's what I was yeah. saying. Everywhere. These people are single-handedly keeping the Portland three-ring binder and portable <laughs> tape player industries in business because there's binders everywhere. Everywhere. And they have at least seven tape players. Uh, am I the I only really... one who kept trying to turn that tape over and play the other side? Yeah, I know, I yeah. know. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> They let you turn things oh, around. I, I spent. Uh, I probably spent more time in the game flipping the cassette holder so I could see oh, what was, yeah. what was on the inside. The inside, yeah. Than I did anywhere else in the game. Yeah, but I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. I mean, there, there. One of the things that works about this game for me is it is yes. In the story, you're the you're the daughter who's trying to figure out what's going on. But 
in that on that second level you're this voyeur you are walking through these people's lives trying to or you're the detective if you want to look at it that way you're walking through these people's lives trying to figure out from all of these found items what the heck is going on and you do discover like john said you discover that it's not just this main story about about the the younger daughter it's also the story about the mother and the father and and what's going on with them and his writing career and Mm -hmm. and and and, uh, their their marriage his approval from his uh his father yeah oh yeah his, yeah exactly i think it does a very nice job at kind of making that feel an unsettling experience right like at first it kind of feels like you're you're going through and you're like you're trying to solve this mystery of of what's happened to people and as you kind of find out for example that you know the 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 answer to where your your mother and father is is you know somewhat mundane you know they're not yeah. dead or or you know or or lost right. no but and they're in couples you, counseling they're in couples counseling but you now feel unsettled right i mean you, you kind of think that you know you're going through all their their you know their their laundry and whatnot because you're worried about them and you're trying to find out their location and you end up kind of finding more than perhaps you were entitled to find out as yeah. somebody in that, that family, that's, right? That part works with you being part of the family, but yeah. as the as the journals later say, it's like, oh, well, you always knew about me, right, Caitlin? Well, maybe the Caitlin did, but I, you know, we didn't as the game player. So there's right. an assumed familiarity. Like the actual Caitlin would know more than we do, which is bad in the beginning. But towards the end, if you start to identify with her, then you're a little bit freaked out that this is quote unquote your family that has right. these problems sure. and maybe you didn't know about them before. So they, they, I do like the fact you know. that midway through you're thinking, wow, this whole family has gone completely to hell while I've been gone. <laughs> yeah. And, and you figure, God, maybe the, the little sister yeah. swinging in the attic and uh, the mom is out with the Ranger Rick. You know, out in the forest somewhere. Dad has murdered a bunch of people. You know, (laughs) dad is yeah at the bottom of a bottle somewhere, and maybe walking around in the basement. And then, and then in the end, it turns out everything's kind of turned out okay, which which is cool. It's just the it's just the horror of everyday life, Steve. Yeah, Yeah, more or less. I was dreading going up into that attic. I mean, when when I first walked down that hallway and there were the red lights, then I was like, nope, gonna check every (laughs) other room before I get in there. Oh, I like well Steve's point about the uh, the hair dye one. That one yeah. got me because I just got to that point where I felt like, all right, I kind of know what's going on. And then you walk into the room and there's the red stain all over the top, and you're like, oh my god, what happened here? And then you see the box of hair dye, and it's like, oh okay, all right. <laughs> and I, you know, I wasn't sure also in terms of the idea that there are that they each have their own little story going on with the different parts of the family. Um, you know, in some ways that was a little distracting. I wondered if there was supposed to be a thing where they kind of fit together in some way. I mean, there's, it's kind of, it's, they leave it, it seems like somewhat unclear what the, uh, the father's big issue is from his traumatic childhood experience. But, you know, does that play into the complications in, in his relationship with your sister then in terms of her, his unwillingness to, you know, basically tolerate her behavior? Um, so I wasn't sure if there there was an attempt to kind of attach these t- things together in terms right. of how the stories fit together. Well, yeah, b- right? both the parents are not approving of the sister. Like, sure. you know, they're they're in, and so I don't know how it's not a happy ending because the no. parents haven't come to terms with it. She has run away, and I guess it's happy for her, yes. kind of. But you, as a sister, you're like, well, now my family has exploded while I've been gone. Right. We should we should say I, I think we didn't mention it that so what we what we discover and the main through line of this story is is discovering that the little sister Sam has met a, a friend who's a kind of a rebel, you know, rebellious uh, girl uh, named... Uh, Lonnie. 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 Oh, Lonnie. Uh, who uh, we get to know as as the story progresses. And they get, so they get to know each other and they fall in love. And so the, the, so the, the parents are 
not understanding of the fact that their daughter is a lesbian uh, says she's going through a phase Lonnie meanwhile you know is not a perfect character and and you know uh, and, and then Lonnie is turns out is signing up to join the army and is going to leave which really upsets Sam and this is the story that's being told so you know you, that that's the uh, really the core there are all yeah. these other other stories and that's the th- that story unfolds not only as uh, as Caitlin goes through um through Sam's room but it also unfolds as Caitlin goes through a series of secret passageways into like like the servants quarters I guess it turns out of this house which Sam and Lonnie kind of like took over as their clubhouse and as you discover those secret entries you also find the secrets of their uh of their relationship as as uh, teenagers falling in love and making mixtapes of Bad punk bands and, and oh, zines like publishing and their zines. zines. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, zines. That's right. <laughs> Good times. Yeah, the they 90s. have a really awesome zine. <laughs> yeah, I felt like there should have been more computers in this because, like, we had computers in the nineties. I'm pretty sure. Uh, was not, not everybody. The they weren't. You know, they weren't nineties. The yeah, they weren't ubiquitous yet. Just yeah. about an hour before Caitlin got to the house, a robber came and stole all their computers. <laughs> yeah. Well, they took. Apparently, they took all of the, the VCRs. The yeah, the Nintendo's missing. <laughs> I assume they. T- I assume Sam took it with her. Yeah, that yeah, was. I, really assume, I assume there was licensing restriction because they had all the all the SNES cartridges in there, but with the crazy labels on them and everything. Yeah. yeah. So I want this. Let's talk about the house, uh, just because I wanted to say my one of my number one things when I went through this game was, boy, I would love a house like this. I've always dreamed about having a house with like secret stuff in it, and this this has got all the secret passageways. There's secret passageways everywhere in this house. It's like half uh, the house is secret. I, it, like, I know they do the square footage for the tax assessor. Like, well, it seems we it seems your house looks a lot bigger on the outside. It's like the op- opposite of the it's tars. ducting, ducting. <laughs> there's just lots of big air ducts. It's not there's no nothing back there. It's the Sidrat. one anti Tardis lane. But it's it's the you know they say that it's the it's the servants' quarters or whatever. But it's just there is that moment where I think I found it. I think I was in the closet in one of the bed in one of the bedrooms, right? And there's the like thing. There's like the button up on the ceiling of the closet. And I'm like, huh, what's that? Boom, rubble, rumble. I'm like, ooh, secret passageway, right? And that was very exciting because I, I, I love that. I want, you know, I want that bookshelf that slides away and reveals a whole room behind it, mm. which sadly I, I don't have. So I, I, I was thinking, this house is really creepy, and yet I'm really, I'm really loving all the secret passageway stuff. That was just on its own. I love that. And then, oh, we, we should mention too. There's the whole they inherit this house. From the what is it, old uncle? Yeah. Uncle yep. Oscar, uncle yes. Oscar. and he has a tragic story of his own too that we learn mostly in the uh, in the basement in that secret area, all the way down in the basement where there's the safe. Well, okay, let me let me ask then: Is this his tragic story alone, or is or it fathers, his yeah. and the father's? Yeah, I think right. that's the implication. I, that's what I was trying to figure because you know we've got the the dark room where the light doesn't work that's got the toy horse in it. And right around the corner there in the servants' quarters, we've got, uh, what is the father's name, Terry? Yep. Yeah, we've got his markings on the wall of how tall he's growing each Thanksgiving. And then it stops suddenly in 1963, which coincidentally is the year of the Kennedy assassination, which suggests that maybe that's why Terry's got that in his mind so vividly. And so I'm thinking, is this a molestation story? No, I I think you got it. Yep. Or is the note that we're reading is his is his uh, transgression that the family is so ticked off at him about something else? But yeah, that's that's the feeling I got there. I was just curious whether everybody else felt I think the that's same the, on that. That front. seems to be the heavy implication. I I saw other people suggest that maybe you know 
he came out to his family in the in 1960s, but that doesn't then connect as nicely into you know yeah, I mean, what's there going are many, on with the father. I, I like the fact that they didn't have to nail it, nail it down because you can the, any of these interpretations are perfectly fine. Like that's not the point of the story. Like mm-hmm. we understand, you know, there there are problems here, and we, do we need to know the exact details? You don't really. You don't really well, know. In, the in fact, details. I didn't open the lock things. I mean, I couldn't. The couple of them because I had trouble finding. I, I opened Sam's locker. I didn't open the. The safe in the basement, I think, because oh. I couldn't find the combination at first. Mm. I didn't spend a lot of time. I was like, all right, I can spend time working on this, or I can like keep going through the story. So, mm. yeah, news to me. <laughs> yep. So in the safe in the in the basement, Dan, there's uh, in addition to he he has a nice collection of narcotics there, specifically morphine, yes. yep. and then a letter to uh, I believe his sister, in which dated years ago, in which he basically you know, which is quite kind of apologizes Terry's for his fa- uh, mother. Yeah, right. yes, right. His transgression without uh, getting into the specifics of of that. Yeah, well, I mean, and it, I think you know, there's a point to there are interpretations, and there are things that are or are not important necessarily to comprehending the entire game. Yeah, um, but yeah, it is interesting. It is a layered story, which is that said, if you're going to throw that aspect in, I'd kind of wish it actually had some impact on the story and. I don't. I don't really see that there was it. Well, I mean, it does in that you can imagine like how it makes the father the person that he is, and how uh, how sure. his, his his tortured life and uh, where it came from, and how he sort of takes that out on his daughter, not being understanding about that, you know. Like, but it it works in a family dynamic in that you don't always know the details of all the deep dark things in your own, very own family. Like that's that's the one place you're very likely not to know the details right. of what why is Uncle Bobby gone now, or like what was the deal with these two, and those secrets die with people, and so. I think it's reasonable for you in 1995 to be able to look through this stuff and kind of get a good idea of what it was going on, but not to have anyone available, certainly not immediately in the time of this game, to tell you what's the real deal. Like, we, we just want everything explained to us. Like, tell me exactly what happened. I'm the omniscient narrator. No, if it's your family, maybe you don't know and maybe you'll never know. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we get, I think there's there's a lot of little hints like that, right? I mean, one of the other things you find in the basement is uh, the father's father. Uh, the the father has a painting of his father. The face is torn out. Yeah, and his, the le- yeah, yeah. the letter from his father, which is you can do better. You can do better. And yeah, his, you know his his father. Of, you know signs it formally. You know your father. Blah, 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 yeah. PhD. And it's you know I mean we we don't know what happens with a relationship. Maybe he really likes the second book, but probably not. <laughs> <laughs> the sequel was much better. But I mean there there was a really really clear line between his his father's disapproval of him and all the stuff that he was going through and I, I didn't see that there was any kind of an indication that that the potential molestation was weighing heavy on him. And so I, I just thought that was kind of odd. Well, I think it was the 1963 connection with like, yeah. that was, you know, yeah. the whole thing where you stick your arm in a bucket of ice water and then memorize numbers better. Like if something traumatic happens to you, then like mm-hmm. the thing that the other thing that happened, then you is forever linked in your mind. And so he's obsessed with writing about JFK yeah. for the rest of his life. And, you know, and they keep it vague, but I mean, there's also, I think the idea, he then has to move back to this house where that may have happened and now he's falling apart, right? His, you yeah, know, he's, well, that was that was a bad know, choice, the, probably. There's the alcohol hidden throughout, and there's all this stuff where you know, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe that is kind of the source of all this problems, right? Maybe if they, you know, if that hadn't happened to them and they weren't in this house, his relationship with his daughter would yeah. be different. Right? You can inherit the house, then just sell it. They don't realize they don't have to move mm-hmm. in. Yeah, I know that's that kind of ruined it a little bit for me. <laughs> well, but they have no, they don't have money, right? <laughs> and it, and that's like that was one of the first letters I found. Yeah, uh, it was, was Carol, the, Carol, Carol Carol's friend. She's like, oh, you know, I always wanted a mansion, and you wanted a house in the woods, and you got both, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. you know, you could kind of imagine that they felt they had to go there. Um, well, secret secret passageways, guys. Secret passageways. Jason would be there in a second. He would oh, be like, man. I don't care who got murdered. I am moving <laughs> nope. in. Ghosts can have their own ghosts. secret passageway. There's a lot Whatever. of secret passages here. Yeah. Talking Whatever. about the letters, 
I, I appreciate the fact that, uh, you know, we've been gone. Well, you as the, the elder daughter has been gone for a year. So you've got, you've got a year's worth of time to make up. You've got to find out what happened in the interim. The fact that in order to kind of fill in all the gaps, we had letters that were written like by the phone, phone messages that were there from a year ago that somehow never got picked up and thrown away. Uh, and, and then it, it seemed like neatly as you're exploring the house, you're finding things from later and later in the year. That that really kind of took me out of it. I wish there'd been another way they could have done that. Yeah, it's tough it's tough to do that. You're not going to have it. You're not going to have an actual year's worth of written history in an actual house. But that's the, the other game. thing. I think the way you were supposed to kind of conceptualize it, I don't think they did a great job at it, which is wh- where that's coming from. All of the the journals that she's kind of reading to you, I think the idea is that you're kind of experiencing them, even though you, you don't actually get them all until you go up in the app. Right, well, you read them all at the end. Oh yeah, no, that's that's the that's the flash forward thing. Yeah, that doesn't bother me. It's it's just the it's just the letters, the the uh, the letter from the publisher from 1978 that just happens to be sitting out in a box. Yeah, and I guess maybe some of that's kind of a hand waving because like you know they've moved in right, and that adds to the like right, you know yeah. is the house a disaster area because yeah. it's been looted or because it's been a unpacking. year people unpack already <laughs> you know and, well and and he, he, your, they say you know, the momentous letters like a lot of the letters you find are meaningful and you can imagine oh he sure. would have saved this the first the letter the letter where you get you know rejection. your job offer and and things like that right you could imagine those could be. They haven't been in the house for a year. They moved recently to the house, right? No, they've been there for almost an entire year based on that yeah. first uh, packing slip from the movers. Well, that yeah, doesn't make true. any sense then because it's all still in boxes. Have you moved a lot? It takes a while to get all the boxes out. It doesn't take a year, though, to get the boxes uh, out. It of the depends foyer. on the people. <laughs> it's the foyer, for God's sake. That's the first place where you move the boxes out of. So if guests come to check out your new digs, they don't trip over Steve, boxes. Steve, we're going to your basement. We're inspecting it. I'm just saying... I moved after living in the same place for five years, and there were boxes that were not unpacked. And let me tell you, nothing useful was in those boxes. <laughs> All I'm saying is this game lives or dies based on based on whether I can relate to the character and whether I can get into exploring the house and feeling like I'm Caitlin. And when there's so much stuff around that very clearly isn't realistic, it it took me out of it. You have to be ready to be to give in to the mood and atmosphere. Like you have to go into the game knowing that knowing it's going to be that type of game and being in the right mindset or on a plane in the dark and just saying, all right, I'm going to I'm going to give myself to this experience. And especially if you're played a lot of other games, you have to look, I can handle this type of game and I can accept it or it just bothers me. and I'll never be able to accept it. And I'm I'm a total sucker for like slightly moody lighting some good music and like all right fine you got me i'm ready to go and very little will take me out of it except for things that break that mood and i think they held they held the mood they were consistent throughout the game they didn't there wasn't a part where i felt like uh, now you have to do a you know a puzzle that looks like pipe dream to pretend you're hacking or you know some crazy <laughs> thing like that jump like puzzle. It was to- yeah. There's no no platforming, right? It, it Dream totally sequences. you know it was very consistent. And so, like I said, the, the things that you can manipulate that are pointless, they were there throughout the whole game, and I just had to come to accept them. Uh, but the atmosphere I felt like held the whole time and built to a satisfying conclusion. I thought the the ending of it, walking up to the journal and realizing that you'd been hearing during the entire game all the things that you read later, worked. That worked for me. I like I liked it. Yeah. Let's let's talk about uh, ultimately. Um, how everybody felt about about playing this game. I I I liked it. I enjoyed the you know couple hours I spent with it on a Sunday morning. Um, I thought you know it was not one of those kind of super frustrating puzzle kind of game experiences. It was much more like I was walking through and discovering things and in more or less the right order. But I I appreciated this method of storytelling and that it was a little bit different and yet I was 
I was seeing these kind of interlocked stories and discovering it in an interesting way. And I, I did like the fact that it subverted my expectations um, and that I was, you know, in the dark and stormy night, I was really expecting something uh, a little more adventurous than I actually got. But I did I did enjoy it. I, I'm wondering, you know, what you guys think in terms of your verdict on 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 Gone Home. I was a little surprised by how short it was. Um, I mean, I guess I got to the end and I was left wanting more, which is not a bad thing. There's so many other games I play where they seem to, to drag on. Um, but I was a little surprised by how short it was. But I liked it. I would recommend it. I honestly uh, found it kind of boring. And <laughs> I, I hate to say that because I love indie games and I, I really see what they were trying to get get at here. But the the atmosphere just never really worked for me. The, the contrived stuff laying around just took me out of that atmosphere constantly. And uh, I thought that the, the whole love story plot line was very sweet and very well done. And that's mostly down to really good writing for the two girls. Like mm-hmm. the, uh, the notes that they've written back and forth really ring true for me. They felt like and, uh, teenagers in a way that fictional characters. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they successfully kind of took me back to that period where everything seemed like it was heartbreak, you know. And and so I thought that all worked very well, and I thought the uh, whoever the voice actress is that did um, Sam was terrific. Yes, she had a real nice sound, and she 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 sounded very heartfelt and and really fit the part very well. But to me, I sit down for a game and I want to play a game, you know. And this this was more or less. I, we can debate endlessly what what constitutes a game, but I think there is a line where. You know, you've stopped playing a game, and you're you're basically experiencing a, a Judy Bloom novel with a really convoluted page turning mechanism. <laughs> oh, and, and this yeah. I think was was over that line for me. I, I I you know I understand that other people probably feel very differently about it, but didn't really work for me. And I I I really enjoyed it. I mean, I I played in I played in two sessions, and so I had that first distinct session on the plane where I played for I don't know, an hour or so, and at that point was like really creeped out and kind of put it away because I was like. All right, I need to put this, you know, come back to this when I'm not on a plane in the darkness over the <laughs> over the middle of the country. Um, and I played it in like an afternoon. And so it was, it, and at that point, I think it was right around the time at which you start getting a better idea of what kind of game it was. So the mood for me, while still creepy um, at times and sort of having that eerie, moody atmosphere that, that John was talking about, it, it, it softened a little bit, both probably by being in daylight and because I was starting to get a clearer picture of what the story was about. Um, and I think, you know, Steve's right that this is there's a lot of this that's more story like in terms of, you know, being told a story. But I, I don't know. I mean, I still thought as a game it was fun and interesting. It was. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's there's room for a lot of different types of games and this for me, you know, well, not like many of the other games that I play. I think it was still a worthwhile experience and it was an interesting story uh, and I enjoyed the way that it was presented. Um, and clearly as someone who didn't go through and like unlock every nook and cranny um you know maybe i didn't get the most out of it that i could have but i I still thought it was pretty good as we're going to find that in a moment i thought gone home was much more successful than brothers uh and it it, interestingly it's i think it's of interest to a narrower group of people than brothers is and i think gone home requires more empathy maturity and life experience to appreciate like a 12 year old's not going to play gone home and you know get into it or, or maybe they would i don't know but it seems like it's not it's not as broad uh and in terms of like what is a game what isn't i i always feel that what gaming brings to the experience is th- the idea that you are making 
things happen. Not that you like, oh, I can change the game and the end of the end of my game, the house blew up or uh, <laughs> anything like that. It's it's the illusion of of control and it's just the sheer just the sheer fact that you're participating. Like you said, oh, a sophisticated way of page turning, a sufficiently sophisticated technique of page turning brings me at least into the story more because i feel like i am i am participating i'm like you get the same thing when you read a book like you you know empathize with the character lead character whatever but the act of walking around and doing that stuff and looking through things yourself as little as it may matter to the outcome of the game or maybe you're totally along rails or whatever uh if if you don't feel that uh and i didn't feel that that much during this game it makes the story more meaningful to me than if I had simply read those journal entries on that. That's my yardstick. If you'd put the text of this game into a book and read it uh, versus me playing this game, I'll pick the game any day of the week with the exact same words. And that I feel like is what, what gaming brings to this above and beyond a story. I very much agree with what you're saying there. And and I thought exactly the opposite. I thought this could be done better in a book. Hmm. With, with the same, with the same text though. Well, I mean, you'd have to you have to structure it in such a way that it wasn't ridiculous. I mean, you couldn't just read the journal and and be satisfied with that. But well, I'd say I, like obviously, if you did it as a book, you'd flesh it out way more, and it would be you could make a good book out of this. But just given just given the amount of text and the story that's here, with maybe a little bit of connecting stuff, I feel like walking through the house, finding the things yourself, doing the stuff in that atmosphere heightened the experience for me way above. Yeah. Uh, just the text. And now you two must fight to the death. And I just felt like I wasn't doing anything is the problem, is I was picking up milk cartons and turning them over, and I was basically just filling time until I found the next wadded-up piece of paper that was story-relevant. So there wasn't enough to suck me in, and and maybe it's just down to having spent too much time playing haunted house games or games where I'm exploring a house and, and actually manipulating items and... and really feeling like I'm part of the story as opposed to just watching through the eyes of the character who's doing all this stuff. But it just, it just never grabbed me. Uh, but, but your point, your point is absolutely right. I mean, if, it, if, if this game had pulled me in in that way, then I would say, absolutely. This is a, a far superior uh, medium for this story than a book. But for me, it just didn't work. Pistols at dawn. No, actually you'll each, you'll each just have to make a cassette, a, a mixtape. A mixtape. Mixtapes at dawn. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be all Riot Girl stuff. I hope you're cool with that, John. Yeah, yeah there, are, there are definite weaknesses to, to this story in, in the way that, like, you don't want to see the strings, and you do see them a little bit too much here. And, and I feel for them because it is so incredibly... That's, again, I'll bring up Journey again. What makes Journey so amazing, at least in the first playthrough for me, is, like, you cannot see the strings, and everything seemed to work out perfectly, and that's almost impossible to do. And there's a little bit too much... Like, if I had to change this game around, I would say... Uh, Fewer things that are pointless, so you wouldn't be spinning milk cartons for no reason. And like, you just—it's—I kind of know what they would have to change to make it better. But the, it, when it comes down to the details, I'm like, geez, this is a really, really hard problem. And so it is extremely difficult to make this type of game right. so that it works for everybody. I think they did enough of it here where I'm going to give it a thumbs up and, and totally endorse the game, and it, and it worked for me. But it doesn't reach, you know, Journey's level for me. Not even close. But I, I still recommend it. See, and Journey worked wonderfully for me. And I think a lot of that was down to the fact that there were actually problems for you to solve in Journey. They weren't difficult problems, and they were very unconventional. Uh, and, and I think I, I complained a little bit in the Journey episode about the fact that there wasn't enough difficulty for me, really, to, to stretch the game out. But... Just the simple fact that I had to solve some sort of problem gave me such a, a an attachment to the character. It really made me feel like I was guiding this guy, or you know, going even farther. I actually am this guy as he's exploring this world, and this there just wasn't anything in this game to do that for sure. me. But and I think you know, I think different parts of games resonate 
with different people in different ways. I mean, I think some people really want that sense of kind of challenge and achievement and, and overcoming an obstacle. And, you know, a lot of games build off of that very heavily. This game does not almost at all. Right. I mean, there the, the puzzles in this game are so trivial, you might as well not call them puzzles, but it's really strong in the story area, which is, you know, other games are not or, you know, other games would be more about uh, the visuals. And, you know, I think this game does pretty well for, for visuals, but it's clearly more about the story. I mean, these characters in, in Gone Home feel more real to me than any other video game I can remember. That's one aspect of the game that we haven't talked about, but that is definitely true, is that if you are, for example, like, you know, a, a kid who is gay, who grew up closeted and had to come out to your parents, or whatever, like, if you have actual personal residence with with this situation, and also it's a it's a story that you don't often see in games, which I feel like this is, like, that's a, a lot of the extra attention this game is getting is because it's telling a story to people who normally don't have their stories told because they're not space marines or detectives, you know what I mean? And, th- th- like... That goes a long way towards, you know, uh, giving this game a boost in that uh, it's a story, even if you're not, even if you can't directly emphasize with the things that are happening because none of those things happened in your family or whatever, it's maybe a story that you haven't played through before. I've been the grizzled detective. I've been the space marine. I haven't been the daughter coming home from Europe. Have you been the grizzled space detective? Yes, I've been the grizzled space detective as well. Only once. And I've I've been Link many, many times. I actually have been the confused lesbian, though. Yes, well, it was college, Steve. Yeah. Well, we did lots of things in college. He was young. I'm going to hit the pause button one more time to talk to you about our second sponsor. It's Zoe, spelled X-O-W-I. It's a Kickstarter campaign running until November 21st, 2013. It's a wearable badge for quick voice interactions straight out of Star Trek The Next Generation. If Siri and Google Now had a robot baby, imagine that, it would be Zoe. You clip this badge anywhere. It can give easy spoken instructions like turn off the AC, give me the weather, Read me my Facebook messages, turn on the porch lights, I want to watch some football, and plenty more. They're looking to raise $100,000 on Kickstarter, and you can reserve your very own Zoe for $149 with a device scheduled to ship in March 2014. It connects with your iPhone, Windows Phone, Android Phone, or BlackBerry via Bluetooth, and it charges via micro USB. Zoe looks great, understands you, and responds quickly and succinctly. Go to zoe.me to learn more and reserve yours today. That's X-O-W-I dot me to reserve your Zoe. Let's uh, let's move on and talk about Brothers. Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, available on Xbox and PlayStation. And is this on PC, too? Yes, it is. That's where I played it. All right. I played this on uh, Xbox, actually. Same here. Same. Dude, you have got, like, every console for a non-gamer. I do. I, for, That's yes, I've got every every last generation console now. Yes, I am state of the art from 2008, Steve. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's pretty cool. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch some X Files VHSs and make some mixtapes then. But you second. talk, you know, you talk down your gamer cred, but you you got some, man. Got I have it. no cred. I have the boxes with <laughs> all those games that I don't finish. It's all about potential energy versus kinetic. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, John. It's the energy that matters. Yeah. yeah, Steve was teasing me. Energy can never truly be destroyed. It just I goes somewhere else. I want to play the games. I just never played. But I'll know I'm playing games because of podcasts. That's my new. That's my new strategy. <laughs> new excuse. So, brothers, uh, from Starbreeze, it's about, it's about two brothers. It's about brothers. It's a tale of two sons. <laughs> they are the sons of their parents. The same parents, thus brothers. Uh, you're not going to get me my opening statement. 
Steve's gonna make fun of me the whole time. <laughs> oh, do, you have, do you have an opening statement about this? Oh, oh, no, I, do we need I to fire have... off the fo- the spoiler yeah. horn first, John? Yeah, no, I don't think you need to fire it off. But like, I think this is a good way to frame this because I will frame it, then you guys will go nuts, and I will pick up any scraps that you got at the end. Because as I said, I thought Gone Home was more successful than this, and so the creators of this game are so very clearly fans of one of my favorite games of all time, Eco, which I've been trying to get Jason yes. to play it unsuccessfully yes. for a while. All right. Both of them yep. are third-person adventure games with two main characters. Both of them don't require a lot of skill to play. Both of them have an emphasis on cooperation. <laughs> and both of them emphasize emotional impact over, like, fancy gameplay or puzzles like that. Uh, and the danger of basing, uh, being heavily inspired by one of my favorite games of all time is that I will constantly compare your game to one of my favorite games of all time. And in the case of Brothers... I did that and found it lacking. And I have a huge list of reasons that's the case. But instead, I will let you guys go. And anything that you don't get, I will pick up. My first note just says, Eco plus Lost Vikings minus originality minus difficulty. So I've got a couple of things here. First off, I should say that the premise here is that these brothers, um, their father is ill mysteriously, and they have to be set out to go across this world to find a cure. And the clever... Um, game mechanic that I think is the thing that makes this game the most notable and why people have talked about it is you control both brothers. The left thumbstick controls the big brother and the right thumbstick controls the little brother and the left trigger is an action for the big brother and the left trigger, right trigger is the action for the little brother. Um, I'll also say that my wife, compared John, compared this to Eco um, while we were playing it. It is very uh, because- obvious. Because we got to the point where there's where where they meet the girl and they rescue her from from being um, sacrificed or executed or whatever it happens to be, and um and and then for several you know points in the story she comes along with the characters and at one point my wife exclaimed, "She's smart. We it's not like that stupid girl in Eco where you have to hold her hand and drag her around." <laughs> terrible, just terrible. <laughs> I knew that was coming. So that there you go, but um. So anyway, yes. So that so I I have thoughts about this too, but I I'm, I'm going to throw it out to to the rest of the panel. First. By the way, did you let your wife see the rest of the game and how that turns out with the girl? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We we like with Journey, we actually played this game, kind of handing it off back and forth. Um, and the kids actually watched watched us as we played this game. So all of it, I'm curious because that that it's a little all rough of it. Points. It takes a it takes a no. takes a turn in the tone a little bit. It does. I, I played the beginning with my kids and then kept playing after they went to sleep. And I said, okay, I'm not bringing the kids back into this game. Uh, my kids are old enough now that it yeah, wasn't, they, it wasn't they a big are. deal. You're my seven-year-old son enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if they don't find out about spider ladies in your house, we're just going to find out about it on the okay, street. Okay, okay. I, I, what's that sound I hear coming from the distance? It sounds oh, like no. the spoiler horn. Again? All right. So we should, we should spoil it all we like now. I, so I haven't played Eco, all right? So I'll just come out there and say that because I never owned a PlayStation. All right, you're off the podcast. You're, you're, cool. a, ter- Hang up. you're a terrible this person. This podcast is over. Dan, I can lend you one. I'm totally cool with that. Um, and so I really like it. I really like this game. I'm familiar, with, I'm familiar with the game. I've not played it, but I'm, I I know of it. So, I, But I will say I, I experienced this game in a, in a vacuum not having compared it to that game. And, and the game, and John's going to kill me, the game that it's it's, it, it reminded me the most of is Journey, obviously. Journey, it's, absolutely. It's, it is very, there. it's not the same game. It's very much not the same as Journey, but it, there are many things in it that are reminiscent of Journey. 
Although um, apparently now every game that aspires to art has to have that swelling string music. That's why. That's one of the reasons why I thought, oh, they really want this to be Journey. Don't For they? me, yeah. it was the. I mean, again, I play a lot of other games that are much more involved, and so something where the control scheme is so simple as to be, you know, basically transparent, right? Like once you know, move, do thing, right? Like everything else is contained within the world of the game, uh, which is basically the exact same thing for Journey, right? Like once you know how to like, you know, sing, you know, jump or whatever, move around, like that is all you need to know about what buttons to press. Everything else is really about what you do inside the game world to have an effect inside the game world. Uh, and I thought the mechanic was really clever. Like, I mean, it took some yeah. time to get used to. Um, I was constantly, like, I had to make sure that I tried to keep the, the big brother, big on, the brother left on the left. Big brother on the left. Little brother right. Otherwise, it's like, okay, they're <laughs> running in weird directions. What's going on? And I got pretty, like, I got too into, like, the second section of the game before dying, <laughs> which was which was good. Because I was like, oh, maybe you can't really die in this game. And then I was like... How did you? How did you die? I didn't think fell you off die. some stuff. Turns oh, out yeah. you can die. They, they are big on the invisible walls in this game and yeah. not letting you. Oh yeah, there are, but there are some places no, in the mine. You can fall off cliffs I fell into and the mine. crushed by rocks. And, yeah, there's, there uh, are some bad things. Drown. Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually had complaints about the control scheme. I thought I thought it was too unwieldy with the two sticks. I mean, it, <laughs> the thing with Journey is it 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 felt completely natural almost immediately. Yeah, it's more it's more complicated than Journey. And and this game, I constantly felt like I was fighting a control scheme. I never forgot that I was holding a control. But that's the whole point of the I game. The, the whole yeah, point of the, the game point. is you are you have to be cooperating with yourself and you have to coordinate the action. I mean, yeah, I that agree. is the whole gimmick that's of the, the game. Whole You've got yeah, to coordinate I, these two things. It just it, for something that aspires to be the kind of experience that Journey was. That's that's a big obstacle in the way. And yet the second one is the insistence on using the analog triggers as as digital controls. That just I mean I, I'm not sure what else you would use uh, except maybe the shoulder buttons and those have their own problems. But yeah, I, yeah. If I had used a PlayStation controller, I wouldn't have had this problem. But with the Xbox, those triggers they'll kill you every time. Yeah, you spend an hour the clacking on a ledge. You have to do a lot of like catch release, catch release, and that could be annoying if you had to do a full yeah, trial. Didn't bother oh, me. That didn't bother me either. But then again, man. I do a lot of games that you have to like hold triggers down for. The seven year old son had to take a lot of breaks. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, yeah, but I, I like that. I mean, the whole that was what made this game interesting to me from a gameplay standpoint was the fact that it was. You know that was the 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 puzzle. The puzzle was to do these different actions with the different characters, and they had different interaction and they had, and different capabilities, and and it manifested in a bunch of different ways. He's got to hop up here, and then he can put down the rope, and then the other guy can climb up. Or they some of right. them they have to work together, some of them they have to work in opposition. There's the one where there's the dog that's running around, yeah, and right. you've got a you've got a one has to distract the dog while the other one runs, and then the other has to do it, and they have to move back and forth. And Horrible. I really like that. And it wasn't it wasn't easy. Um, and I liked that, that I could do it and I, I could figure it out, but it wasn't right. like I was just on rails. I was just walking through to the next thing that I had to think about <laughs> right. what the right, well, well, but, but it never, was. did, did you ever have to like think about it, think yes. about it? Cause that's why I was going to yes. compare it yeah. to Ego is sure. because like oh. Ego has puzzles that you have to think about. Whereas in this game, I always knew immediately what they wanted me to do and it was fairly easy to do See, it. So I, that's why I was saying there was a low skill barrier. There's more of a, more coordination is required. Definitely. Like you're not just moving one guy around. So that's why I would say. 
for non-gamers, there's probably a high barrier. But in terms of like, boy, I'm stuck in this puzzle. I can't figure out what to do. That is much more likely to happen in a game like Eco than than this one, I felt like. Because in every situation, I knew what they wanted me to do and executed it more or less on the first try. Like I said, I never died. I didn't think you could die. Well, well but the, uh, see, but there were, you know, I think there were times for me when I was like, well, I tried something that I realized like, okay, that's not the approach they want me to take. But I thought it was co- like, so the very early on, there's that part where you have the drawbridge and the treadmill. And you have to like, right. so you can you realize, oh, one of the brothers can get in the treadmill and lower it and the other guy could go across. Well, how do you get both of them across? So I tried for a while to like start piling sheep on it to see if they were heavy enough to keep the drawbridge down, which incidentally is hilarious because they're not. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, did, I did that too just because, it's, just because it's fun. Yeah. I, no, I spent some time playing oh, with But the I physics. did that because I thought it was the valid solution. And I finally realized, okay, you put the sheep on the treadmill. Fine. My son greatly enjoyed dropping them into the water. Yes. And watching well, they the water they, I love that because then they cut another one just like blithely comes out of the little farmhouse you're like oh more sheep yeah. comes out of the shed yeah they, they should have they should have a uh, a uh, spin-off game just with the sheep <laughs> well i like all the, yeah i like i do like all the animals in this game um but i don't know it was for me there were things i'm not saying it required like a super long time and there are definitely puzzles in games that have are way harder than this but it was that nice balance of being something that was not so hard you're like banging your head against the wall trying to figure yeah. it out but was not so easy that you're just like i'm walking through it I thought it, I, I thought it hit that sweet spot really nicely. I mean, I feel like there are other games that are a lot more challenging, and even games I like where I hit the point of frustration that I stop, right? Yeah, yeah. And hopefully, I go back the next day or you know later that week. There are some games where it's frustrated enough where it's like I'm done with that game for a long time, if not forever. Yes, yep. And this never had that problem. I'll admit it's pretty. You know, the challenges are are pretty simple and pretty soft. But I felt like that they were. They were at that really nice sweet spot where you kept moving forward, right? You felt like you know you can figure this out and keep going. And I never felt like f this game, I'm not playing it anymore, right? You know, this is stupid. I can't figure out right. what I'm supposed to you do. You feel just clever enough for like, oh yes, I got it to hold my interest and keep well, me moving. I, I didn't forward. think there were any challenging puzzles in this game. I thought the the control screen was a little bit challenging, but there were no challenging puzzles. And this is not to say that I think challenge is essential for a good game because Journey has like zero challenge, and it's like one of my favorite games of all time. So you don't need challenge to make a good game. I, at least I would say Journey book. has more challenge than this by a well, long stretch, though. Well, I mean, I, mean, I don't but know. But anyway, the, the whole point is, I, I don't think you need challenge to make a good game, but here here's what you do need you need you need a lot so you need something else to overcome any kind of gameplay that is as brutally linear linear as brothers is like you need right. like journey level awesomeness to make you forget that you're being led down a single long corridor with invisible walls on all sides yes and so you need music atmosphere you need like emotions you need some intellectual engagement you need something right and eco is less linear than brothers or journey because you can kind of wander all over and do all this stuff but it really is kind of linear a bit but there's more challenge mentally to the puzzles and the free roaming nature like fakes you out into making you think that you're not that you're not being led sure. down a thing. I mean, I I don't. I mean, I played Eco. I don't. I mean, to me, they're different games. I don't. I, I mean, the scope of them is completely different. I, Eco you know. is a much larger corridor, but that's the whole thing. It makes you feel like you're not in a corridor. But Bro- Brothers was just killing me with linearity because it, it, at one point I climbed up a wall for the for the ten thousandth time. Showing once again that I know how to climb walls with two people. Thank you. You don't need the same challenge a million times. And I realized there was like a, a baby penguin rescuing side mission that I had missed somehow. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go back down the wall and do that. And it wouldn't let me go back down the wall to do it. You could still see the side mission that I had failed to do. Like, not only was it linear, it was like slamming doors behind me as I went down this invisible walled corridor. And if you're not going to have challenging puzzles... And you're gonna have linear gameplay. Like you can't. You need to pick something else there. Like it, it, Journey has zero challenge. It's incredibly linear. And at no point did I ever get that feeling of like I'm railed in. 
I, I think you're mistaken. I mean, Journey has challenge to it. Challenge is not the big thing, in it, but Journey is certainly challenging. There's stuff where you feel threatened in Journey and you have to overcome obstacles. I think all games have an element of challenge. Otherwise, you'd be completely bored. Yeah, I, I guess you do feel you do feel a sense of threat, but like in yeah, Journey, that's you, the you, challenge. You, you literally can't die, though. I mean, yeah. well, you know, well, you can, not the you only can get obstacle. set back. Yeah, not all. But, but, but that's another thing about Journey is you, you, you never really thought that you couldn't die in that game. I remember that. The, the flying uh, dragon creature or whatever taking me out and thinking, oh, that finally has decided to kill me. And that's, in fact, that's the ridiculous thing about games is that death is overused as the single punishment. There's lots of ways you can get punished. You can get things taken away. You can get pushed back. Video you lose games your frequently, scarf. De- you know, yeah, your scarf. Death is a cop-out, right? I mean, that's like... You know, that, right, well, because it's the one thing that breaks the narrative. Yeah. It doesn't make yeah. any sense. You right? fall down the pit, but guess what? You well, get to how do it back again. here, right? Except like, and that's... for a, a couple games where they do funny things with time travel, or you right. know, the Prince of Persia games are actually noteworthy because it's like being narrated, and you fall in the pit, and the narrator says, "Ah, that's not what happened," and you jump back. But yeah, but no, death is overused as the like. This is how you fall back, and that's. I mean, I think Journey is a classic example. You can have challenge without death. Sure, you can, and that and that happens in other games. I'm a big fan of, of you know graphic adventure games and things like that where there is challenge and there are obstacles, but you don't die. Or even you know some they're really great games where you can't get into an irrevocable situation, right? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was getting stuck of like the, the thing you're talking about before, where you're like, I don't know what to do next in this game, and I'm frustrated. You know, like that's what I talk about, like in terms of challenge, like where you where you have to put the controller down and say. Uh, forget it i'm going to come back to this because you're frustrated because of a mechanic or because you have no idea what to do and that never happens in journey which is a great thing about it because you never you never will get stuck unless you really don't have the coordination to just move the guy along and it doesn't happen in this game either but this game is lacking all the stuff the journey has to make it so that you're willing to walk down a big long corridor with invisible walls and not feel like you're see you're sort of i don't know that see, i agree with that agree with either you. because yeah. i yeah. felt like the thing that 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 for me made this game was the relationship between the brothers i mean sure. and again That's really touching and it's and- not it's not like on home where it's like all right we're gonna tell you everything about this you know the all the details right in fact the language that they speak is basically impossible to understand right you can kind of pick up stuff from context but you're never going to understand the full import of what they're I saying. I also, I mean, the only thing I knew going into this game was that it had been compared to Journey. And at first, I was kind of skeptical. I was like, this is not the scale and scope of Journey. I really like Journey. But I think this game had a really great slow build. I, I mean, I really liked the way you saw the relationship between the between their brothers, you know, the stuff about their, their two different parents. Even just the way it expanded from, you know, your, your first kind of puzzles are like, there's a jerk with a stick who won't yeah. let you get past, a, you know, a bridge and you have to go around to later, you know, you're, you're kind of you're running across this field and they're chasing you to then there are these things that are like actually kind of foreign right. and hostile and, and creepy and weird and otherworldly and it's like you have to, is this actually have to fire happening? one of the brothers in a in a catapult at one point yeah you know is this actually <laughs> happening or or you know is this real or is this the the imagination is of the younger coping, brother yeah, is the, coping the way mechanism. that expanded to me was was amazing i mean when the first hour first maybe half hour i'm just like man people comparing this to journey they're you know I don't, I'm not with them. But then toward it, the it, end, it, the music yeah. swells and suddenly sure. it's snowy, and I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. And really then, are you trying know, to be we journey now. Really talked about the end yet? But you know, you get to the end, and one of the brothers dies, and it's like, well, is the game going to be over now? How you know? Basically, that last I don't know twenty twenty five minutes where you're playing as the surviving brother, I kept being. How much longer can this game be? Because this feels weird and wrong, and like that's Sounds that's like the point has happened of the game. Another game that I've played before. But that's the one, the one truly moving thing in the story for me. For me, the 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 the, the brothers and their relationship was all just so generic that it didn't do much for me. Yeah, the older brother's the serious one, and the little one's the one who throws buckets of water on sleeping people. Okay, I get that. Um, 
And then at the end, when the younger brother is on his own and the thing that you have to do in order to push him forward and, and, uh, and, you know, for it's kind of forget his fear of, of water and, uh, jump up the cliff that he doesn't think he's tall enough to get up to is to use the other brother's button. Yes. That which was is just, the, I the one chills. very cool moving thing I thought sure. in, yes. that, that really worked well in the story, which only works after training you right, for three exactly. hours. And, and to right. me, that was brilliant. And to the, even, even thinking about now, I get chills. I may have played too many games to have telegraphed that, but I give them props for I, doing it. I don't know. I, play, I don't know. I, I played play a, a lot, lot of games. games. You know, <laughs> oh, you didn't. I, I kind of saw that coming. I mean, like, I, may, I sounds like I'm in the minority here. And I'm not saying I didn't like this game because, like, that's I don't want people to say, "Oh, I didn't like the game." Like, you should totally buy this and play this game. Like, it's a great game to buy and play. It's ju- the only reason I have all these huge lists of negatives here. <laughs> now that we've ruined it for you. It's because yeah. that uh, because I'm comparing it to Eco, and I you mean, should also I, play I, uh, You should also play Journey. You should also play you know Shadows of the Colossus. These are all games you should play. But Brothers is a great game. I mean, you mentioned Eco and getting to that moment where you where you get in some games where you get frustrated and you're like I gotta I gotta come back later. I gotta put it down. One of the things that I appreciated about this game and that is is that I never got to that point. I had to sometimes sit there and think, okay, where do I want to go here? But it didn't take too long, and. I I gotta be honest. I don't like it if a game makes me so frustrated that I have to turn it off and come back another day a bunch of times. Oh no, I, nobody likes it. Nobody likes it. It's a balance of like, when does that happen to you? Uh, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it, if if some game, some people are that frustrated by Journey, and that games are right. that game is no good for them. So everything has to be targeted at a certain level. And I'm saying from from my experience, this this game had. No challenge, and that's not. And I said it's not a bad thing. Journey had zero challenge for me as well in terms of like not understanding what to do. I always understood what to do, and I could execute it reasonably well. And that's fine. You can still have a great game like that, but you need other things to offset it. Uh, at least for me. Well, there's different elements of challenge too, right? There's the, the mental challenge of trying to figure out what's the, how do I solve this puzzle, or where do I go next, what do I do? And then there's games that have like I got frustrated with a game earlier this week that I was playing because it was too much of a like there was a reaction challenge where it's like, all right, I'm just not fast enough. Or like right. aiming well enough to to defeat this boss, it's like, and that I just got so frustrated. The quick time event, yeah, it's like, oh boss my fights. god, I've yeah. tried this six times and it keeps resetting me back, and I have to go through this part that I have gotten good at, but I got stuck at the second part, and it's just like that to me is just so annoying that I'm, I'm going to put that game down. But like, there are a couple things with Brothers where it got like, I mean, I did spend a long time on the one puzzle, the first time that you you tie the rope to each other and mm-hmm. you have to do the swinging puzzle, like that took me a little bit of time. Like, to just figure out, like, all right, I got up here with the rope. Okay, how do I get out of there? And then once I did figure out, I was like, okay, all right, you know, I, I mastered that. But, like, it, it is interesting how, you know, there are moments that are challenging without necessarily being, like, it's not sure. supremely challenging. And there are even, there are kind of challenges you can kind of, that are kind of there on the side that you can do if you want. I mean, for me, I, you know, I was playing on the Xbox and you get achievements that pop up when you do things. And Brothers was interesting in that all of the achievements were for things that were kind of off the beaten path. And like, I found the first one of those and then it's like, you know, a, you know, I like getting achievements because I got no achievements to me. I got one. I got, I got nine out of 12 the first time through and then I went back. Wow. Uh, I I have achievements turned off when I'm in game because it's evil to have them turned on. But (laughs) see, I like that. Like, I mean, and mainly because I liked in this game, you know, you didn't need to get any of them, but they were like, letting you know that there were these little things off the path that you could find and you could explore. So as I was playing Brothers, it was like, I was always looking for what's all the little side quests. I want to I experience all the parts of the game that they designed, right? And I missed three out of 12 on the first playthrough, and I went back and, and found those because it's like, I want to see all the little side passages of this game. Because they were all extremely cute, like the yeah, bunnies. Yeah, they were all interesting. Or some the of them bunnies. are not. 
yeah. Well, well, yeah, there's, it depends there's a bunny, on how, there's also like, you know, there's yeah, a suicide. How you feel about so, hangings you know. and such, yeah. but. So Dan mentioned gameplay um, mechanics and, I, you know, I it wasn't hard to do. There's a mechanic where the two brothers have to grasp this, uh, this thing and like they need to move it forward and and then and then move it left and there are a couple they have to drag a piece of wood right there are a bunch of things like that that i enjoyed just the fact that oh i've got to you know i've got to move them independently or i've got to pivot one forward and one back and yeah. it was not particularly complicated but i there was a kind of a joy in yeah, you oh, know absolutely. oh this is different i haven't done something like this yeah that was weirdly satisfying well, that also puzzle. that you had figured right. it out right like the beginning yeah. when you first have to pick up the wheelbarrow with your dad in it it's like uh, uh, all right do i go oh, wait i can push with both the guys all right i'm getting this you know and then the part where it's like there's you have to navigate like the pipe through like a little bit maze to like jam one of the gears right. and i was like yes. oh I can do this very smoothly now. Like, you know, I've been practiced at this for a while. Like, there is a yeah. sense of achievement there. In and the, there's, like, no, there's no stupid tutorial mode, right? right. I mean, it's like exactly. the game just starts and you're, you're you know, you're, you have to figure yeah. it out. Press right? this button, press this button. All right, that's yeah. all you need to know. John has, has played games for probably several hundred times longer than I have in total game time, if not thousand. But uh, when I get at the end of the game, when the young brother is at the water, um, that experience was really good because and so my wife is watching this and and she's already pretty outraged at the fact that the big brother has yeah. died because she's like what the hell what the hell was that this is how'd the she feel about the slow life. sequence where and, you had to bury him oh god oh, oh, yeah. she, not a fan not a yeah. fan yeah she's like what what is this game that seemed a little cruel. Press X to dig to dig a shallow grave. That that happened to me because I, I I set the game aside for a while and I came back to it and and Ren came in and I like oh like, let me show you this game I've been playing and I came right back into the part with where she turns into a spider. <laughs> I was like uh, all right I've totally ruined this game for you I'm really really <laughs> sorry and then she's watching me as I'm like burying my brother I'm like I am so sorry I have to do this in front of you. On the plus side they don't make you dig the hole. They just make you God, drag the in. body in and cover it up. They just make you dump the dirt on your brother's lifeless corpse. Sobbing the whole way, Jesus. You get all Joe Pesci on it. Fine, I'll dig the hole. What, this first hole I dug? Yeah, so <laughs> so, but, so I'm standing there at the water. I'm back. The The griffin owl creature has brought me back to home, and I'm I'm at the water. And I, I, I'm thinking, okay, how, what's, what's the solution here? I run, I trigger, I run, I go over here, do I climb? And nothing is working. And... So you know that's thirty seconds, and uh, and then I I'm looking at it, and then I think, oh yeah, <laughs> I I need to I I need to use the brother's controls like I would have done before, and you press the trigger, and you hear the brother, and the boy ventures off into even though he's afraid of the water and he can't swim to get across, and that moment for me was really affecting, even yeah. though I I too rolled my eyes at the brother dying and being like, well, this is very manipulative, but. But that payoff, I felt like, was really powerful. Now, my wife is sitting there watching, and she just sees me start swimming. And she gets to the end, and she's like, well, that was really lame. And I said, no, no, no. I had to use the brother's oh, control see, to get across. That's the, very, that's the difference right? between you having played the game and her watching it, the game. It, that's it's what, true. That's the thing about games, because you were the one doing it. Not just that, even right. if she had seen the earlier part of the games, it's different when you were doing it. And the thing you described Absolutely. earlier about like feeling good about having figured out a maneuver, that's something that I, I, I also mentioned in the Journey podcast, where... 
you don't do much in Journey. You just kind of like float around and fly and stuff. But there's <laughs> enough there's enough uh, variation in there that you feel like you by the end of the game you are pulling off moves with finesse, and that's why I talk about like the final level on Journey where you get to show, yeah, super hey, long now scarf, I'm yeah. really good at this whole scarf flying business, and watch me show my stuff, and that's your reward. And that's why you know you you get the little perk of like I have now learned how to navigate the wheelbarrow with two people and i can go up the cliff or whatever i mean the the, the biggest fault i think for, in brothers is that maybe they have you do some of the same things too many times but maybe that's just because that's how many times uh more people need more repetition to master it whereas if you master yeah. it the first time then the 17th time you're climbing up the wall it's like whatever but uh that you know that's that it, that's what games are going for and i'm glad that you got it out of it even if i didn't in this particular game well i got it too and i i i audibly was like you know when i figured it out i'm sitting there and i just you know oh my god like you know i had that moment of i know what i need oh to my, do I, here. Know, I know what i need to do and i was like you know that to me that payoff is worth it oh no i i had that at the end of the game i was talking about like the the him saying he was satisfied and like oh now i know how to swing on the ropes and like get yeah, up the wall okay, and stuff sure. like that now the the ending part it definitely worked in that regard but i i do have my long litany of complaints and you you guys you guys have a lot say. of them, but if I could, if I could quickly go through them, and <laughs> and uh, yes, please please move rapidly through the long litany. I'll just be here nodding. Yeah, and and then at the end, we'll, we'll all try to say how good the game is to try to. Bring I'm gonna go get a drink. Go ahead, John. <laughs> all right. Uh, so uh, world design, uh, brothers. <laughs> brothers, is this itemized? Yeah. Brother, yes. Yeah. Brothers is straight up it's reverse like, alphabetical yeah. order. Subheads. Oh, Brothers man. is like straight up medieval fantasy, and the only possible twist is like a little bit of oversaturated color and slightly cartoonish character proportions. And Eco, like and everything is comparing with Eco, is like has the muted color palette thing, which is totally also a trope that goes on there. But I I have to give the nod to Eco in terms of being more distinctive. Like this looked a little bit generic to me, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that it uses Unreal Engine three, which if you're a gamer, you've seen a million times before. Like I. I you know, I know what Unreal Engine games look like, and this looks like an Unreal Engine game, which is fine. And Eco's engine was novel and interesting. No, no, it uh, wasn't the, the Unreal Engine though. It was the setting. The setting was unbelievably generic. Yeah, so much and, so and that my, can... my seven-year-old son recognized all of the various tropes and and knew what to do with them without having to be told. Yeah, it didn't seem like it had like a big style message. You know? Did he call the uh the that the that the pretty girl that they saved from their horrible execution turned out to be a murderous spider lady? No, he didn't get to that part because his fingers fell off from the triggers. That was actually foreshadowed, which I thought was clever. Yeah, it was. It was the very cave well foreshadowed. In the wall where they're yeah. sacrificing things, they're fighting off giant spiders, and it's super creepy. <laughs> and, and the fact that she leaps like eight hundred yards the first time you meet yeah, her, you're that, like, hmm, that, that, that doesn't seem off. normal. Yeah, uh, the the language barrier thing again, comparing with Eco, which also has characters that don't speak the language that you're speaking, right? And both have like a limited set of phrases that the players repeat, you know, so similar in all these regards. And in, in this particular thing, I, I found that, you know, in in Brothers, understanding the intent of the spoken words was more important to the gameplay. And it was also more difficult for me to understand what they were saying. Like in Eco, you press the key to call someone and it makes some noise and the person comes. You're like, that must be the calling noise. But in Brothers, they have these long unsubtitled dialogue sequences. And it's like, I... I get the gist of what you're saying, but if you're going to be talking that long with those subtitles, I want to actually know what you're saying. I felt like I was being left out of the experience of my own huh. game. Well, and so uh, meaningless was the conversation, clearly, that the music would swell at those points and drown out what the guy was saying, at least on the PC version. It, it was just like, it was, it was too much talking for, for not understanding what they were doing. And, and a good example for me is like the very beginning of the game, what is the goal of the game? 
uh, you know, in Journey, like, they throw a mountain in your face. In, in Eco, it's like, well, duh, you know, try to escape. In Brothers, I kind of got the idea. It was like, oh, do something to help save this guy who is your dad, I assume, right? But it was like, what am I What am I getting? Am I looking for medicine? Am I looking for magic? Am I going to find a person and bring them You're back? You're going to the world I, tree. It's on the I, scroll. Read the yes, scroll. Uh, RTF, RTF, I know, RTF, but it's like, yes. it was like, what is that? The world tree? What, but and just, and are you these know, two what, brothers the only ones in the world that don't know exactly where that tree is? Yeah, hey, like, <laughs> here's a scroll. Which way to the other yeah. side of the and world? Oh, that's kids. right over there. Yeah, and I know, like, These part of it is they want you to. Part of it is they want you to be to figure out from context, which is kind of fun to figure. Hey, there's a language I don't know, but I'm going to figure out from context what's going on. And that's fine. It just felt like they did a little bit too much of leaving me out of the game that I was playing. Just a little bit too much. Just make um, it make it up. Use your yeah. imagination, John. Maybe maybe that part <laughs> was too challenging for you. I, I think we, I think we covered the <laughs> gameplay thing with the baby penguin. That it was, uh, you know, I mean, again, it wasn't a challenge because it wasn't essential for the game, but like the uh, baby penguin linearity bothered me. Uh, the the two player experience, obviously, that's what this game is all about. You know, it's a different two player take on that, you know, than, than Journey uh, or Eco. You know, in Journey, the second player is another person, which totally changes the equation and makes it very, and you don't need the second player, but I think with the second player, that's totally different. And another human is way more interesting than AI and way more engaging, you know, that you're playing with. And in Eco, the other player is AI which is the worst case that's like one long terrible escort mission if you've played lots of games you're like oh god damn i gotta i'm gonna try to there's, keep there's, this other there's AI a whole penny alive. just about yes. that as i recall yes uh, but in the best case you become engaged that you are like protecting your little computer friend in the game and the computer friend in the game uh, is a little bit more pliable than, than a human print uh thing with with the two-player experience the i mean it worked great for the gameplay, but then the problem is like when you when you have the thing where you kill him and you feel like oh I'm being manipulated or he get, he gets killed off or whatever. Uh, two of the things with that one, uh, he dies and I'm like okay so is there something I could do to get the good ending where he doesn't die? Like that's my immediate <laughs> thought, right? You know what I mean? After that happens, like oh, I, and you shouldn't be really having that thought, but like that that's what I'm thinking. And and the second one is. I, well, let's, before we get to the burial scene, the poor burial scene that Ren had to watch, uh, the interactive burial scene, like that has actually been done before as well, which is fine. Uh, and I thought the, 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 this is a slight spoiler for The Walking Dead, sorry, but, <laughs> you know, it's the same type of interactive burial scene in The Walking Dead. La, la, worked la, better la, for la, me. la, 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 Sorry, go ahead. Uh, and I think it's because that, I mean, Maybe it's harder for you to grieve for a player that you were controlling. Like, what, what am I doing? Am I grieving for my left thumb? Like, it's not quite the same <laughs> as grieving for, like, grieving for another player character in the game or even another human player. I, I mean, it works because you're grieving for your brother. But, like, at that point, it's like, okay, well, now the controls got a lot easier. And, like, I mean, it's, it's a cynical thing to do, but... He ain't hard to control. He's my brother. But my left hand has nothing to do now. I can, I can, I have concluded from this podcast. John does not have a brother, nor has he ever met anyone with a brother. I do, ha- I do have a brother, but like that's the whole I am, thing. Oh I, my I, god, I, that guy is doomed. I felt, <laughs> I felt, I don't control him with my other thumb though. I felt more. What I'm getting. Well, at I should is, hope not. How is your brother at pulling the legs off of giant spiders? Is he good <laughs> no. at that? Yeah, I, I felt way more attached to the human beings that I play Journey with. And the AI player that I protected throughout Eco than I did with this other player that I was controlling. Because I felt like I'm still alive, like, and just half of me is not. And that worked in the later scenes where the character in the game was upset by that and, like, getting across the water and, you know, the dead mother and everything. It, it kind of worked out. But not, I mean, maybe it was just the way they paced the burial scene or whatever. I just, it 
it was missing something for me, and I think what it was missing is because like the things that were good about it, that you got to control both players for the whole game, worked against it when they killed one of them off because it felt like I was still like half alive. You know what I mean? I mean, I call that kind of successful That's in some ways. I mean, like <laughs> yeah. the you know, I don't know. You mentioned the thing about the good ending, and I, uh, that made me think of uh, Mass Effect, just because that's another case where there are characters that can die permanently if you do the wrong thing. And for me, it was always I only played through those games once, but I know like. Uh, Jason Tossi, who's occasionally on the podcast, is played through more times than I care to think about. And he'll talk about like all the different endings. I'm like, but in my world, this guy is dead. Like this character is dead. It wouldn't even occur to me to go back and like, oh, I should go back and replay it so that he remains alive. No, he's dead, and that would be disrespecting his memory. R.I.P. Left thumb. <laughs> yeah, the the ending the ending of this one, the, you know, to completely spoil it, you end up in a situation where the brother's dead, the dad is alive, and the mother had died previously to the game, and it's like. Is this a fair trade? Like, if you had not gone, yeah. the father would have died, but you would oh, have no. had your brother uh, still alive, right? Like, is this a victory yeah. condition? It just seems like the final by, by the scene. End of the game, also, just to just to wrap things up nicely before the end credits, the final scene is them. Now there are two gravestones out at the tree <laughs> behind the house, and the dad is sobbing uncontrollably. <laughs> yeah. The end. Hold it! Hold it! Hold it! In the distance, you see the Griffon thing flying by. He's on his way back to get the older brother. No. And I hate that. By the way, I hate the fact that that's happening. No, he's just going back to the tree to have some more cool leaves and spider legs. Well, he knows where there's an easy meal. That's why he's headed back. There. I think I think the end of it for me. I was turned around and was like, and, and for the rest of his life, his father can never meet his eyes again. <laughs> and yeah. then like it kind of comes to that, and I'm like, wow, this is way darker than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. The, the, by the end of this game, what I was thinking to myself was, well, just another day in the grim, blood-soaked, <laughs> bloody giant battle. Hang yourself in a tree, world of brothers. I mean, it's just like this place is a downer, man. I do not want to live here. You just need a music box. That'll pull you right out of it. <laughs> but just wait till the sequel, Brother: A Tale of One Son. <laughs> <laughs> and one very sad father. No, the fact the fact that the Griffon is flying back to get the older brother kind of ticked me off because what I saw as as the obvious kind of uh, arc here is at the beginning the little brother is he's uh, consumed with guilt for the death of his the drowning death of his mother, and you know he's spending his life grieving. And what I was expecting to see at the end was as the father kind of falls apart, the the younger brother, having been strengthened by his experience with his older brother, then, you know, kind of pulls his father out of it. And they realize that, you know, there are things worth living for and they kind of move on with life. And that that would have made some sense a little of the the older brother's death. And I I, I would have appreciated that ending a lot more than uh than the two possible endings we have here which is one everybody's dead and everybody's sad well half of them are dead and half of them are yes. sad uh or some there's a happy ending that's about to happen with the griffon flying back and retrieving the brother who was buried in the dirt outside the tree of life and therefore is resurrected although probably slightly wormy yeah it comes back as a zombie in the next game and you have to kill him <laughs> yeah pet cemetery brothers a tale of one son and one zombie <laughs> But when the three of them get back together, the mother suddenly rises from the sea. And they have to fight her off. Yeah. There was a moment when, when you're in the ice the ice fields and the icebergs and all of that. And again, that was where they have to row the boat is an interesting, another interesting game mechanic where, where there's mountains off in the distance. And I kept waiting to see if one of them had that beam of light coming up. So <laughs> like, Journey, it's just over there. But I, another thing I liked that I wanted to mention is I liked how the, like, the trolls are used in this. I thought yeah. that, that sort of tickled me, that there's, there's a, a troll that you meet who's like totally terrifying, except it turns out that he's really friendly and helpful and helps you get where you need to go. I really like that. Then 
later there's a level where you have to release a troll from a cage by stealing a key from another troll. And at that point, then you have to lock the the troll captor in the cage. And then you see that the troll that you've released is reunited with her, you know, beloved other troll. And there's like a little troll. It was the Shrek portion of the game. Yeah, I did see that one coming because when you first see the other troll, he is sobbing. He's so sad. What is he he sad about? That's why I thought it would be good for kids until people were hanging from trees and stuff. Uh, maybe not so good for kids. Maybe yeah, that, and it gets a little, it gets a little I mean, dark. It, but that's I the like thing that. about like it, like the tone tonally, it didn't. It's, it's much easier. Just to, to, it must easier just pick. Yeah, it's more like a grim fairy tale. Yes, know, like the actual sure, grim tale. Well, yeah, it's it's very tonally. Uh, I think tied to the grim fairy tales because those were all nasty as hell. <laughs> People yeah. are always dying left and right, and that was considered a happy ending. Right. I mean, is the part for me where it got to the where it got to the giants for me and for a second did anyone else yeah, have a brief giants. like wait a second like, i think it's when the first time isn't it in the tower you go to the tower first well yeah in the yeah. tower is the first time right like and I, my first thought was wait are does it turn out that we're really small or <laughs> yeah, that these are they really, really big, big? Yeah. Ooh, twilight zone <laughs> yeah and then i had the giants part where you're navigating through the battlefield and that was disturbing i mean there's the part where you have to like shoot the crossbow to knock the guy into out the, the way, de- into like, the dead giant's head i, yeah, I like, like that. that was this. that's that's something that i really hadn't clever. done in a game before i had not caused the giant axe to fall to chop off someone's <laughs> leg so i could pass through the linear corridor of a game it was pretty brutal i mean yeah that surprised my me. kids you know, thought that was hilarious actually. yes that's the thing is the hanging and the giants getting chopped up that just goes right over their heads you're not living until you paddle a, can- a canoe through a waterfall of blood. <laughs> that <laughs> was really gross. Blood and had to impersonate a monster. The tone never really committed to like when you when you coat yourself in blood and get on your brother's shoulders. Like, is that a slapstick comedy moment or is it horrifying because you're coating you and your brother with yeah. blood and scaring little, you? Know, little of both. <laughs> It, like, that's what I said. Like it, it starts off very lighthearted, and you can go lighthearted and then get dark or whatever. But it's like lighthearted, but then it gets like dark, but also kind of slapstick. And <laughs> never quite knew where it was going. There, it was just kind of teetering back and forth. And then at the end, it really wants to go for the gut punch, and it's like, well, it's well, yeah. kind of all I over mean, the life map. Is not all, I mean, thing. but life isn't always one single tone. <laughs> I know, but it's it's only a two-hour game, you know? I, I like the transition. I thought it was cute the way it kind of... I mean, stuff gets darker and scarier, and, and, and I thought Especially it handled that well, up and getting right? Farther from that home. was the point at which the you game know? became interesting for me. The yeah. whole troll and mine sequence was all, ah, been there, done that. And then they're, they're out there with the wolves, and they're, you know, they run across the guy that's hanging himself, and I'm like, eh, this, is, this has got a little bit more going for it. D- but, did, I, did anyone not say not save the hanging guy? No, I think you, say, like, do you not have to. I, no, I, you don't have to. You can just let him no, swing. You, know, you just let him hang. I <laughs> yeah. would never do that. <laughs> no, I didn't do it either. I, I say no. We blew right through there. The people should play Brothers. I think it's worth playing. I mean, I think more than more than Steve. I think it's you know you should play that game. It's good. It's not no, no, no. Go, I highly good. recommend people play it. I think the the art was gorgeous, although generic. Yes. Uh, and in fact, I, I thought it was nice that they placed benches at random areas just so you could oh, sit down and enjoy the, oh, the scenery. Oh, the benches, the benches. <laughs> the most emblematic thing about how this game is inspired by Ego but fails to live up to that standard is they put the benches in so obviously as a direct homage to the benches in Eco, which you sit on with, with Yorda to save your game. Oh, and they right. did it in such a way, like, they thought, okay, we're going to do this. We love that in, in Eco. We're going to put them in our game. But they made you hold down both triggers to stay on the bench. The benches yes. are supposed to be relaxing. You can't make me tense both my fingers and hold my triggers down the whole time to stay on the benches. They missed the entire point of the benches. Oh my god, that drove me insane. I every time I saw every time I saw a bench, I got angry. Oh at my them. god! Wait, 
Wait, wow. what's, it, what's it? What's it like being driven insane? I'm not really sure right yeah. now. <laughs> but please play. Oh, it's a short God. drive. I've never met John in person. Is there a vein that just constantly throbs on his forehead? Yes. Yeah, I thought yes, so. Yes, there is. I'm all vein. It's veins all the way down. Sometimes there's just blood squirts out of his eyes while he's talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't. I couldn't stand it because I love. It's like the typewriters in Resident Evil. Like it's supposed to be an interlude. It's supposed to be the nice music plays and everybody's calm and we take a break. And oh, you just hold down both these triggers as hard as you can the whole time. Otherwise, you can't get to see. You can't get to look at the nice scenery if you don't hold on the triggers. Because as soon as you let go of one of them, the camera pans back and you don't get to look at the scenery anymore. I think you're holding your triggers too long. Yeah, I think and that, you know, that's Shadow of the Colossus. Maybe, where you, maybe you need to be a little lighter on the trigger finger. Yeah. I think you're retaining something else too. <laughs> let it out, man. Are you there, Steve? It's me, Margaret. <laughs> I'm a little conflicted about the fact that I had to to make the one white bunny become a black bunny in order for them to I get did along. That. that was a little distressing. Yeah. Nope. Didn't nope. do that part. Did that. No, what? I had no. No, I, I had no trophies. Awesome. I skipped a lot. The only thing I got out of no the achievements was blowing the giant's horn. I, I carried nope. a sheep all the way to that thing to make the sheep black. <laughs> <laughs> See, so the sheep are irresistible. The sheep are the best part of the game, by the yeah. way. No, mind. no, the best part is when you fire your brother in a catapult. Well, that was good. That is awesome. I liked riding the glider because I did that section like seven times. That was that <laughs> I died actually a lot. Was pretty... Oh, you can uh, die in that. I, oh, I really yeah. have no idea. It's oh man, you can easy. die in that. I crashed it many times. Many times. Uh, I many did times. not like the younger brother going whoa, whoa. It was like bad flashbacks to Anakin. Now, yeah, yeah, now you're Phantom Menace. His his whole voice could have gone completely out the window, as far as I'm concerned. You talk a little bit about about things you play too many times. The the glider, I kind of liked and wish I could have done a little longer because I really enjoyed that mechanic of the the shimmying of the two guys on the glider to make it tilt. Let me tell you, uh, pick up Far Cry 3 or Assassin's Creed 2 <laughs> and you can play a lot Just of time. You can spend a lot of time in a glider. <laughs> I won't do it. Yeah, I refuse. <laughs> yeah, no, those, those games are too long. Too long for Jason. They're too long. Give me another. So is this, so gamers, is this a new genre of game the three-hour video game the two-hour video game because if it is i really like it i the two, the two hour good it. video game is new yeah i think it is i mean i think it's basically the idea is not every game has to be 60 hours or right. 60 bucks and some games are short and some games are long it's you know we can deliver games digitally and we can price price them however we feel like it we have room for short stories and novels yes yeah, game, games have been getting shorter for years now because it's so much more expensive to create content for them unless you're rockstar and can spend 200 million dollars on a game it you the games used to be routinely 20 30 40 hours easily and now it's like geez with our budget we can make a 10 hour game and when that first started happening people were like what a ripoff this is a 60 dollar game and i finished it in 10 hours you know but it, it costs so much money to do all those high-res things with all the the 3d models with more uh, you know uh polygons in them and everything and all the music that you have to do and the voice acting it just became too expensive and i think this is the logical conclusion it's like all right well now that people accept that how about we condense down our best ideas into as long as long as they take and our maybe our best ideas only fill two hours and that's great because now the budget for the assets that we have to make all the voice acting and everything isn't that big and so here you go and i think people have critics and players have proven that they like this type of game so i hope we see more of it in the future because it's preferable to you know, is the only other option two hundred million dollar GTA or a really, really crappy ten hour game? I would much rather have this. Yeah, I agree. I, I and as somebody who, like I said, I have that whole thing about uh, I'm going to buy this game and I'm going to play it for I'm going to play it for five or ten hours anyway. Uh, that's that's the most I'm ever going to do. So I would be happy to pay 
15 or $20 for a, a three-hour game experience. And then if I really, really like it, then I'll go back and do achievements or things like that. I mean, I've played Journey through three or four times. My daughter was playing Journey this morning. My wife's played Journey all the way through a couple of times. Um, I'm a couple gems away from getting the white robe, which is the last thing I wanted to do in Journey. But my, my daughter was playing it today and singing to a... You know, a, a guy as they were going up the mountain, and it was great. It was, you know. Do you see yourself playing Brothers again? Uh, no, no. Yeah. Well, there's the difference. I'm not going right to play there. it. Not gonna I play went it back again. and and played it to get all the little side things, and now I feel like I've experienced everything in yeah. the game. So yeah, I don't, I'm good. I don't think I need to do that. Either. I might uh-huh. read about the side things, and if the side things sound interesting, maybe I would go back. But I think it's unlikely. I, I'd actually rather play Journey yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think I'll go back and play Gone Home again. I think I got everything I no. was supposed to get out of that. But yep. you know, yeah, I won't. I won't play Gone Home again. I may, I will probably have my son play through this when I think he's old enough to uh, handle and appreciate it. But I won't play through it again. But interestingly, I have played through Eco more than one time, and not because I'm getting like you know I've done everything in that game a million times, but just because it's kind of like watching a movie you've seen over and over again. And like if Gone Home was just like a little bit better, maybe that would be the experience. Maybe people do have that experience of like, oh, I just want to I know exactly what's going to happen in this movie, but I just want to watch it again because it's such a ride. I play Eco every couple of years over again just because I love the experience of playing the game, even though I know everything that's going to happen. I almost never play a narrative game again a second time. I just it's in some ways it's so it's so involving and so so much work to go through it that you know it just it kind of i find it kind of draining and the idea of like starting over again is to me very very like oh god i don't think i can take that um especially when i know where the plot goes even in games where like mass effect where you can change the outcome i just mass effect mass effect takes a little bit longer to play well yeah i'm just saying i (laughs) yeah a lot of those games i just have trouble going back to i mean the games that i play over and over again are games with like multiplayer stuff or you know games that are more like you know sport games right sports, right. but like you know prince of persia it's like all right i can try and like beat this right like get farther in this game than, than i have before or what have you and yeah, no, i'm in the re the replay camp for sure because i've i'm in the midst of playing grim fandango for like the fifth time right now and just fantastic experience every single time uh these two probably not so much um you know i rarely have wanted to go back and reread are you there god it's me margaret either so <laughs> I, I read Tales of a Fourth jokes. Grade Nothing like 10 times. What oh, I do love about? that one. If this had been more of a, in that vein, I would probably have played it twice already. Yeah. I think the only games that I've replayed regularly are the, the LucasArts adventure games like Secret of Monkey Island and Grim, and Grim Fandango and things like that. But yeah, kind of like Jason, I have enough games that I haven't finished or haven't even gotten a start yet that, you know, multiplayer is really the yeah. only thing that gets me going back to a game. I still have right? to finish Eco. Yeah, you should start that over again. And, it's only ten and, hours. It's not like and this play is the, Sh- Shadow of Eco, the Colossus too. Eco so. is the Eco is the old version of Journey, like in terms of oh wow, it's so short. But it but now compared to the actual two hour Journey game, oh, 10 hours, that's like a full game. Shadow, I I continue to think you will never make it through. But uh, yeah. I wish I wish you luck. It is long. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, John. It is it is not short, and there is you will get frustrated and. Yeah, which will Woo-hoo. be sad, but like it, it has a higher skill barrier than Eco does, which is why I totally recommend Eco to almost anybody. And then Shadow, it's like, well, if you're a gamer, you should play it. But if you're not, it's gonna burn you. Well, screw that. <laughs> you should play. You should play like the first, the first level. Or Ten whatever. hours of boss fights yeah. will wear on a man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's yeah. Well, it'll wear on a non-gamer, but the first one is yeah. worth experiencing, and it's kind of a shame you I won't consider myself a gamer. And it, those, that sounds like wearing on me too. No, like it sounded terrible to me at first. I was like, oh, I love those ego guys, and they made their second game, and it's all boss fights. I hate boss fights. Why would you ever? And then I'm like, oh, okay, I get it, and it's a good I enjoyed game. it. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. All right, I, I recommend it. Hey, 
before we go, I want to ask everybody, like we do with our book club, we well, I, I'd ask you, what are you reading? But that would be very off topic for an episode devoted to video games. So how about, what are you playing? Dan Morin, what are you playing? You know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal this from our, our co-panelist, Tony Sindelar, because uh, the, the game that I just played, or we are almost done with, which we are playing multiplayer, is a game called Monaco which is super, super fun, and you should pick it up. I think it's on Steam as well as Xbox it's Live. It's like a multiplayer, it's a multiplayer uh, casino, heist, yeah, heist casino simulation. You do like slots and Baccarat. Less of that, more of robbing things blind. Um, super uh, fun game that like sort of follows a bunch of the heist tropes. Like You have different characters who are like a locksmith and a guy who knocks people out and a lookout, and they all have special powers, and it's a top-down, very stylized uh, game. But it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, great multiplayer i mean one of the better multiplayer experiences i've had in a really really long time um and yeah i, I highly recommend it and it's not too long not too long super stylized too like that's the thing that, yes. that regular very, people might be turned off from it takes some time to but, figure out <laughs> yeah it, it totally and that's that's interesting to again with gamers if you've played tons of games with people look like people you're like wow this does not look like but, games but that once you figure it out it all has a language that kind of makes sense <laughs> you see the matrix it's like oh and you stop seeing the big blocks and you start yeah, seeing i see seeing people things. yeah it's cool. I like it a lot. Monaco. Okay. Monaco. Yeah. It's a game. I'm also playing it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tony. Tony, Tony, what else are you playing or anything? Um, I've been playing Monaco with Dan Monaco. Uh, that's great. Good. Um, I just finished uh, Assassin's Creed 3, which came out like a year ago. That uh, obviously I was just tearing through, but it's an okay game. Um, I'm trying to clear through my embarrassingly large backlog so I can play the new Grand Theft Auto, but I have too big a backlog to buy new games. Uh, and I've been playing a bunch of games on my iPad recently. The um, they came out with a new version of Small World that is has multiplayer instead of just pass and play. And that's I've been playing that. I have about seven or eight games of Small World going at any time. Oh, Jesus, I don't have enough, is, Tony. What the hell? Sm- small World <laughs> is you know if, if there is a board game of that which I owned and played previously. And the uh, absolutely the iOS version of it is just great because it does the uh, the scorekeeping for you and it you know it makes the rules. Okay, simpler by enforcing them in a game state. Uh, so you could, as opposed to like setting up and playing Small World would easily take an hour. This you can play a game in you know fifteen minutes, um, or you know you play it one move a day over the course of multiple days. So I've been playing a lot of that. I enjoy that. That's me. All right, Steve, what are you playing? Yeah, I can't believe it took you a year to get through Assassin's Creed Three, Tony. You know, I played all the other ones, and I I started playing Assassin's Creed Three, and it it did not grab me. Um, as much as as the other ones, uh, there's some interesting stuff in there, but it's it's a little bloated in terms of having all this stuff that you can do. Yeah. Like you know, you can be you know the, the, a, a famous assassin, or you can spend a lot of time managing your like you know merchants. There's a whole merchant mini game in here, and I'm like, why am I doing this? But I need to do this to earn money so I can unlock the next thing. And yeah, didn't grab me. Um, but you do get to cuss out George Washington in the end, so I like that. Well, I just finished Ultima Five. That Woo-hoo! only took me 25 years. <laughs> so, I never finished Ultima 4, Steve. Oh, I finished Ultima 4 back Ultima in the 4. day, but I replayed it. Avatar. I've decided I have to finish all of them except perhaps for 8 and 9. I might not necessarily have to deal with those because they, they did not sound like they were true to the Ultima mythos or <laughs> gameplay. But uh, at any rate, finished Ultima 5, and uh, right now, since it's uh, the Halloween season, I... Finally got around to starting Diablo three, nice. which um, yeah, it's Diablo, slightly slightly dumbed down from the previous. Hope you version. like clicking. Yeah, whole lots of clicking. Hope you uh, enjoy Carpal Tunnel and uh, what? looks nice though. Pixelated monster. It? it is a nice looking game, although not as nice as I was expecting, given uh, mm. 
Well, I mean, it's still Diablo. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So, yeah, I'm having some fun with that. Uh, at the same time, I'm starting up uh, another replay of Silent Hill 3, which is probably the scariest of uh, of the Silent Hill games, at least of the ones that I've played, um, which I highly recommend for anybody who really wants a good haunted town game, not just a haunted house. And, uh, yeah, it's a good one. Probably my fourth or fifth replay of that, and it still scares the crap out of me every single time. Uh, and as mentioned, I'm also trucking through Grim Fandango again because you got Great to game. every once in a while. What is that? What can you play that on right now? Is that do they port that to modern systems? No, Presumably. you kind of you got to do some DOS box foo. I, really? I haven't checked. Okay. Uh, I haven't checked um, good old games to see if yeah. they've got a version of that, but. Because a bunch of the classic LucasArts adventures they've ported for, some of them are even available for iOS, um, like Secret of Monkey Island, but not not all of them. And Grim Fandango's a great one. Oh, it's fantastic. Probably the best adventure game, I think, all told, you know, story and puzzles and everything combined. It's probably the best that I've ever played. And I've played a lot. I like the. I think I like the little slightly wackier ones, uh, like Sam and Max, but Grim Fandango's a great game. There's a lot of wackiness, though, in Grim Fandango. Probably more than I, rem- I, I remember. Yeah. Just having the guy who played uh, not El Guapo, but his uh, his sidekick, who asks about the or who who says there is a plethora of pinatas without actually knowing what a plethora is, uh, as the main character's voice is uh, is a huge boon because he's he's hilarious. For anyone unfamiliar with Grim Fandango, Grim Fandango is film noir meets Mexican Day of the Dead, and you are basically a kind of a travel agent for the dead who gets you're affected. You're a reaper, a, right? A murder mm-hmm. mystery, you know. Uh, except it's an interesting murder mystery because everyone's dead. So, uh, fantastic okay. game. If any of you have not played that, I highly recommend you seek that out because it is literally uh, probably in my top three games ever. Yeah, that's that's rough. It didn't sell very well because it came out in 1998 at the same year that uh, yeah. I think Starcraft and Half-Life came out. Yeah. So Tim Schafer, though, you can't go wrong yeah. with Tim Schafer. So if you're uh, playing against Steve in the video game draft, yeah, if we ever do something crazy like have a video game draft early, yeah, you will make me sad and happy at the same time. John Syracuse, what are you playing? So I'm going through the uh, HD remake of Wind Maker, uh, which is a game. It was the first Zelda game that I had my son play, and he's played through it many, many times. I played through it many, many times, and I didn't know if I would be interested in going through it again. Uh, but they changed enough things that I'm interested. First of all, it looks looks really nice, and it looks different than the uh, original game. Not just because it's HD, but because they changed the graphics a little bit as well, just a little bit. It just it comes off differently. What it does make me do is appreciate how amazing the original game's graphics were, because I think now it's slightly less pure than it was, but it's it's very pretty looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have com- complaints about this remake, mostly having to do with the uh, <laughs> really? the, the control no. scheme. Yeah, I, w- I, I so wish I could play this game with the original controller, because the, the, the game pad and the pro controller, both, we have both of them, we tried both of them, neither one of them comes close to the experience of playing the game with the original controller and the menu systems. Oh God, how many times I have to go into those menus? Like, I guess it's nice if you're using the touchpad. Oh, I can look, I can just touch or whatever. But that I find that slower than the muscle memory of like going into the screen and picking an item and coming back out quickly, continually frustrated with that. So every time I have to, to visit the, the inventory screen or, or deal with the control system, it's frustrating me, but the game looks beautiful and they, 
changed the game just enough to get rid of the super annoying things like they have a new sale that makes you go twice as fast and that makes that makes a lot of difference i was gonna say i always felt like that game was padded with having to sail everywhere yeah, but it's still I a like, great game great i game. like the sailing and i i always thought they should have condensed it into like in the middle of this game there's one big massive sea journey that you feel a, a sense of accomplishment uh, with after having completed it but they didn't do that they said it's a bunch of series of small trips but uh if you've never played the game i almost say that you should like get a gamecube or a gamecube compatible wii and play the original instead of the hd remake which i usually don't say about hd remakes uh but the hd remake does feel like a different game and it feels like a game made for people who played the first game which is fine i'm one of those people but uh, that's the only reservation I would say is if you've never played the original game, you I would say play the original game. If you have played the original game, it's worth getting this to revisit it with a little twist. Where does that rank as, as far as your favorite Zelda games go, do you think? Uh, it, it fluctuates because it, and it is wrapped up a little bit with my son's kind of like the Cars movie. Uh, it's not my number one for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like fighting two and three, maybe. Gotcha. Twilight Princess keeps going up as I get older. By the way, in the in the uh, reference to HD remakes, stay the hell away from the Silent Hill two and three HD remakes. <laughs> Not that you guys are going to rush out and buy them or anything, but yeah. uh, wow, did they do a, a screwed up job on on that port? Yeah, those aren't really like HD HD remakes, are they? Just like we got the game to run on a newer system, basically. And it turns out that they yeah. had, I think, some some early code before it had fully been debugged. But I think the biggest problem is that they that Team Silent, when they made those games, they really did some weird things with the hardware. And I think that that one of the crucial components of the Silent Hill games is the fog. The fog. <laughs> oh man! Walked right into that one, Steve. They they failed utterly to render the fog properly in these remakes, and I think it's because they were doing something just really bizarre with the hardware to make it work properly, and uh, trying to make it work with the the PlayStation Three graphics hardware just was beyond the ken of these porters. I don't think they had a whole lot of budget to work with anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean the the game is pretty much completely ruined. Two far more than three, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you if you feel that you want to get into the Silent Hill universe, stay the hell away from the the high def remakes, because it actually they actually have destroyed the game. It amazes me that you love these old games so much, and yet seem to have such a low tolerance for like the gameplay tropes, like oh, you've gone home with Judy Bloom book and this game. Like you're such a grumpy old man with with uh, gameplay tropes. So you go back and play these games, and they have so many creaky things in them. We have from the control scheme to like the the gameplay mechanic. I mean, limited limited by the technology of the time, but you're totally tolerant of those. But any new game that comes out, nope, not taking that crap from this game. Well, I can appreciate them <laughs> for for having played them when they were out. So you know, I can forgive a game that's. 15 years old for playing like a 15 year old game. John, you would never be critical of a movie where they went back and redid certain scenes and spoofed, you know, improved the graphics and stuff like that, right? Oh, no. That's that's, (laughs) I wrote. I wrote a blog post about this. Why why do I hate the prequels and hate this? Well, that's different. Why do I hate the special editions and and don't hate remakes of video games? And I wrote a whole blog post about it. If you're just joining us, this is hour four of Hypercritical. (laughs) So if you were to go to hypercritical.co and read my post about the Wind Waker remake, you would learn all about it. <laughs> Which uh, your remake is that we can remember it for your wholesale? Yeah, you got it. I wrote that uh, months be- when the game was announced before the game actually came out, and it explains in detail why I think uh, game remakes are more acceptable to me than going back and changing a movie. All right. The short answer is I can still play the original Wind Waker. Boom, George Lucas. Jason, what are you playing right now? <laughs> Dan, I'm playing like some some Battleship. 
<laughs> some uh, it's quality stuff there. They remade that. By Wars the way. with friends. Stratego. Uh, yeah, a little Minesweeper, a little Solitaire, uh, some Mario Kart some, Wii. Some Pong. A little Mancala um, going way back. Space War. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some Go Fish. Your, your kids are playing Journey. That's good. My kids are playing Journey. My family yeah. is playing playing Small World out in the living room right now. I saw. I, yeah, I happened to respond to Lauren on Twitter about that. Yeah. <laughs> when you get the white robe, Jason, you have to at least go on one Oh, one yeah, yeah. more playthrough to, to help to help, to help somebody as a white robe. You, then, you have to fill that it's, role. It finally. is obligated. Yes, it is. And that person will utterly fail to appreciate that you have spent that long in the game. And you that's have okay. A white robe you, you're paying it <laughs> forward. You, can, you get the white robe in like two game two two run throughs. It's not all right. No, anyway. you just have to go find the little uh, guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they glow. Yeah. Anyway, I, I played these two games that we talked about, and and now now we're done. So I'd like to thank my panel for joining me on this adventure where I play video games, which I almost never play, and they play video games, which they almost <laughs> always seem to be playing. Snell hasn't uh, played it. That's pretty much it. I am a babe in the woods. I represent the audience that's interested in video games, but just doesn't know what to do or where to start. That's me. I have no idea what I'm doing. Is you could do worse than here. to start with a game like Brothers. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. All right, so I'd like to thank my panelists for playing these games uh, and for joining us tonight on The Incomparable. Steve Lutz, a pleasure as always. No, no, the pleasure is all mine, Jason. It is, actually. I, I take know. it all back. I know. You're welcome, Steve. Uh, John Syracuse, thank you for being here. I'm thinking about re-recording this podcast, see if I get the good ending. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the one where Steve dies, right? It went wrong about hour six for me. I don't think I yeah. could go that far back. Yeah. Uh, Tony Sindelar, thank you very much. I'm still not clear how I get all the Chivos for this. Yeah, that's a, you've, you may have passed through with only some of the trophies. You may have to play this podcast again. And Dan Morin, thank you. Never again. I mean, <laughs> good to be here. <laughs> a pleasure as always. What, was that the ghost of Dan Morin telling us? <laughs> no, the to... ghost, ghost voice sounds more like, never again. Yeah, that's much better. Don't, don't encourage him, Jason, please. <laughs> And I'll be the father from Brothers, uh, just crying <laughs> insensibly at a grave. At the no, Danny's dead, and I can hear his voice. Let us remember this moment forever. <laughs> Stop pressing the left trigger, son. You're making me cry. Uh, okay, and for all of us here at the Incomparable, thanks for joining us in our little conversation about video games. We'll see you next time. Attention Incomparable listeners, if you stuck around this far, in a couple of episodes we're going to be discussing old movies again. Yes, it's Old Movie Club edition number two with Philip Michaels. This time he's going to be showing us movies from 1952. There is a movie that didn't get nominated for an Oscar for Best Picture, Singing in the Rain, a classic. A movie that did get nominated but didn't win, High Noon. And then there's the winner, The Greatest Show on Earth. If you'd like to watch those movies... In a couple of episodes, you can hear us talking about them. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening.